Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? Let's go! IMLD Home Studios. In its ninth season, you are listening to, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Your football party is live with your hosts, Jay and Dre. Good evening, welcome in. You have got in much less detail the podcast. We are here with you live on a Monday night, February the seventh, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Dre. He's Jay, and we would like to formally and officially welcome you to our 2021-2022 honors and dishonors show. We will give out all the hardware. We will honor and dishonor all the men and events and. People that deserve it, uh, this is our show to look at the uh, past football season in, in, a, in a different way than maybe you're used to. Of course, the NFL has their honors show where they give out their MVPs and Rookie of the Year and all that good stuff, and that's fine uh, if you're into that type of thing. But we do things a little differently here. We will give out our awards that acknowledge the best of the NFL this past year. And we will also give out our awards that acknowledge the worst and some of the things that were sort of bizarre and maybe things you can't even really categorize. But we will try to cover it all here, live, two hours tonight, right now. And at this time, I will turn it over to my co-host, who usually takes the first half of the show for his awards. Here is Jay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is uh, it's always a special time of year for us. We love the honors and dishonors time, and uh, I, I worked I worked on it a good chunk of the day. I already had notes ready to go from earlier in the season. Put everything together today. I've got all my little got all my little uh, notes to myself and screens up, and yeah, this is always uh, this is always a fun show. This is, I always talk about it uh, whenever we get to this time of year. These are the shows that I I, I go back and listen to the most, just because you know it, it it's it's little bit easier to go back and listen to this than it is to go back and listen to a week six recap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> still, still have a little lingering effects of the, uh, of the goop, but not too bad. So, ah, <sighs> how you doing? Ready? I'm ready. I got my notes in front of me. The only thing I haven't done yet is sort of figure out which order I'm going in and all that, but I'll figure that out as we go along. So I'm I'm ready to hand out some hardware. Yeah, uh, I've got it all here. I, I've got a system I've had for years. Um, so it, it's it's good that you know you have more free form sort of categories that that you go by, but you do have some some standby ones that you always go to. So that's good, but then you'll you know you throw a little bit more uh, pithiness into it because you know I I do have to admit 
at the end of a season when you were working with a framework, you miss a lot of things, you know, or, or you have, you know, contenders and, and runners up and things that we don't quite get to talk about. But that's why we, and one nice thing about having a whole year's worth of shows that we're sort of, you know, recapping here. Um, I, I have no rules. I'll, I'll pick things from the postseason. I'll pick things even from the previous, uh, you know, like in the preseason time or in the offseason time. Because uh, what we always say, we, we will find you. And it's usually not the good things that we go back to for when we start mining old material. So uh, I always start off with MVP, you know, and, and or, or as you say, the shit. Um, I had a tough, I had, a, I don't know. Did you have a hard time with this one? Cause I really did. I, I did. I, I flopped. I flip flopped. I had a couple of different people in mind and sort of at the last second, maybe like a couple of days ago, I finally yeah. decided on somebody that I didn't even really think that I was going to decide on. So yeah, it was a, it was an interest, interesting yeah, year. That, that was sort of the way it went for me. I thought it was easy and all, you know, you hear all this, it's all, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's Tommy, you know, it, you know, Derek Henry was in the conversation for a while. And then when he got hurt, they immediately went to Jonathan Taylor because he was the leading rusher at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, making Carson Wentz look good isn't easy to do. So I can understand why, why he was getting some uh, some some run for MVP type uh, talk, but you know I really you know last year I gave it to Stephon Diggs for the way that he sort of helped like turn that franchise around, you know, and and and, and the, the numbers he put up were insane, um, you know, in a very similar vein this year you had Cooper Cup didn't get any MVP talk, but he had a huge year. And also, you know, coming over, you know, with Matthew Stafford coming over, you look at the the season that he had, um, the 2,000 total yards. But it wasn't him. It wasn't the it wasn't that 2,000 total yards that gets my MVP. It's the other guy. We talked about him a lot on the show. You more than me. Uh, so maybe you didn't think I was paying attention, but. I don't think that the the team that this gentleman was on gets anywhere close to where they were or where they ended up this season uh, without his performance, and, and it was one for the ages. I'm giving it to Debo Samuel. Ooh. Yeah, uh, threw, caught, and ran for a touchdown this year. 1,400 yards receiving, 18.2 yards per reception. Then as the season started wearing on and they started adding him into a somewhat an already effective running game, right? This wasn't a Cordero Patterson situation where like the rest of the running backs on the Falcons were just trash. So they had to use Cordero Patterson as their running back and who was sort of like the poor man's Debo Samuel this year um, in a year where you have multiple guys kind of filling that role. But then, on top of the 1,400 yards rushing, he throws up 365 rushing yards with a 6.2 yard per attempt and completely revitalized what was a really sort of uninspiring San Francisco offense. And when they started winning and when they started running off all these wins to go up into the playoffs, uh, you know, you pointed it out every week. It's like they got to get Debo going. Every you know, they find ways to get him the football. He, he's a unique talent with his hands on the ball. He's like a running back once he catches it. 
He's a running back once they hand it off to him. They found ways to get him in space, and they schemed everything around him and uh, and rode that all the way to uh, the conference championship game. And, and, and Dan Muir could have won that as well. So going a little outside of the box this year, going all-purpose, sort of like a Marshall Falk type award, huh? Um, giving it to Debo. Yeah, I think they uh, mentioned uh, Marshall as uh, like what, whatever combination of statistics that Debo put together as far as rushing yards and receiving yards in a season. He was uh, the, the best at that since Marshall Falk. And we remember how big of a threat Marshall Falk was out of the backfield for the Rams as a, as a pass receiver. Um, and I'll, and obviously a, a world-class running back, but that's how great he was as a receiver that he put up all-purpose numbers that really nobody else uh, could touch. And that's how great Debo Samuel was as a receiver turned running back or wide back, as they want to call him now, trying to invent a a term or position for him. But uh, yeah, I uh, have no complaint, obviously, at that pick. Uh, As much as I was talking him up and as much as I was impressed by him, he is uh, truly uh, a special talent and a cheat code. And like I said, when he was doing his thing, can you imagine if, these other teams would take their beastly wide receivers and find extra touches for them by putting them in the backfield. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to do what Debo Samuel did. I have no idea if uh, DK Metcalf could pull it off at running back. There's a different skill set to, I have no idea if AJ Brown could pull it off uh, for Tennessee. There's, it, it's really mouthwatering to think of putting those guys in the backfield and going, okay, especially imagine Tennessee, like in a two back set with with Henry and, and AJ Brown, like what the hell are you going to do? Like either one of them is going to smash you and run you over and there's nothing you can do about it. But just because you put a guy back there doesn't mean he can actually pull it off. And uh, obviously Debo Samuel pulled it off uh, very well, just such a beast to try to, to pull down in the open field and, uh, yeah, I, I love that pick uh, uh, for for an MVP. He really was uh, that valuable to the 49ers. Yeah, they're they're not anywhere near the conference title game. You're right, if not for for Debo Samuel. Right. It, there's so many other ways I could have gone with that, and I think any you could have gone the more traditional route, and, and it would have been justified. You know, it's nothing against those guys. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pick of value. I mean, yeah, we saw what the Packers looked like without Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I mean, so, so yes, um, that, that would be an easy pick. But, you know, we, we can leave that kind of stuff to, uh, you know, to the league because they, they love their low-hanging fruit. They, all these award shows, you know, and, and it's so hard to overlook, especially within the context of just what you produced in a season. There's no guarantee that we're going to get this again. You know, you kind of think back. I remember when they started this, you think back to that, that Super Bowl with Chiefs Niners, and they were trying. Like, you could see the beginning of this because it just didn't quite yet know what to do with Debo yet. And they were running a lot of these effective plays, uh, like jet sweeps and trying to get them out in space. But then once the game started getting tight, they kind of abandoned all of that. Maybe they should have stuck with it a little bit more. Maybe they'd be Super Bowl champions. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. It is. But now that you've seen, like, oh, okay, now we can actually work this into the playbook. And, you know, these are not, uh, 
you know, th- these aren't like back schoolyard plays, you know, <laughs> these are just things that are like breaking down and the whole thing collapses. And then Debo's just got the ball and he's making things happen. Oh, there, this is Kyle Shanahan doing the, the evil genius thing and figuring out ways to, uh, to get him the ball. So I know in years past, because they're so similar of awards, uh, I, I'll give you the floor for the shit. They are similar. I understand that uh, most valuable is, is what everyone likes to go with and the way they like to phrase it, but that's a little bit of a misnomer to me because how do you possibly justify most valuable uh, when you look at a situation like you brought up with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Obviously, uh, that team is nowhere near as good without Aaron Rodgers, but you can say that about Tampa with, with Tommy. You can say that about Buffalo with Project. You can say that about pretty much every good team that if you take their quarterback away, they're they're garbage. So what what are we talking about? So uh, sometimes that to me lends itself to just looking at a team's backup quarterback and the shittier the backup quarterback is, the more you're apt to say, well, that that means the other guy must be that much more valuable. No, that just means yeah. the GM sucks and he doesn't know how to. <laughs> get a, ba- a decent backup quarterback in the building. Uh, so when I go with uh, what I have uh, for my best player of the year, I call it the shit. Uh, basically what I'm looking for is the guy that consistently makes me go, damn, that dude, he was the shit. Just, it's just that simple. The guy that to me, this is my award to me uh, was most consistent all year in making me sit up and take notice and go, Oh wow. Okay. He's really making a, a difference out there. He's really showing athleticism. He's really uh, leading his team. It's not just leading your team. It's you know, playing at a, at a high level. It's playing in a way that almost makes it seem like you're in a different league than everybody else, and that's extremely difficult to do in the NFL because that's a league full of unbelievable athletes. So anybody to me every year that makes me sit up and go, oh, shit. And, and Debo Samuel is a perfect example of that that every time he got in the game, whether it was uh, receiving the ball or running it, he made you sit up and and go, oh, shit. Uh, So that would be a a great pick uh, and a guy that I respect a a hell of a lot for all that he did. Um, And the other guys that you mentioned already would also be great picks. Uh, Tom Brady making you sit up and go, he's how old doing that and and still consistently and leading the league in doing that, not just playing well, but like the best in the league leading – uh, all the categories, that's unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, he he deserves it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers deserves it. Again, you know, 13 wins every year, just another day at the office. That's just what he does. He just wins, and he just makes his team uh, look like contenders and, and potential champions every year. So, yeah, I got no problem with any of those guys winning the award. For me, the guy that consistently, you already mentioned him, made me say, oh, shit, look at him again. And again and again, just kept jumping out of your TV, just kept making himself look like something better than everybody else, something uh, playing above the league, playing above everyone else, making people look silly, making moves out there and, and just leaving defensive backs on their stomach, not on their backs or on their butts. Like he turned some guys around with some of his uh, breaks out of his routes and had guys just flopping down on their stomachs like, <laughs> just completely out of their league and out of their element. Uh, To my complete uh, shock and surprise, I decided a couple of days ago that I think I got to say that this year, as much as I 
don't want to admit it. But Cooper Cup was a shit man. He just kept <laughs> <laughs> yeah triple triple crown winner, triple crown winner of all the incredibly talented wide receivers in football. He best he he beat them all. More catches, 145 catches, 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns. Those are all in the regular season. He hasn't slowed down, obviously, in the playoffs. Uh, 114 and a half yards per game in the air. Just every week he came out there and said, okay, these guys are going to stack up against me, and they're going to run this defense in this zone, and they're going to have these guys waiting for me. And, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to break out my Michael Jackson moves and do this and put my feet over here and spin around and go this way and just leave guys in my dust. It, it was amazing when he did it the first half of the year, and he kept doing it. It's like, do they not know that he's going to uh, do some stutter steps and just leave you looking silly? And they, they knew it, and they couldn't stop it. Uh, 10.2 yards per throw. Every time Matthew Stafford targeted Cooper Cup, no matter what the result was, incomplete, caught, what have you, it averaged the first down. 10.2 yards. That is incredible production. That is just uh, – and there's nothing but hard work out of Cooper Cup. There's nothing else you can say. Uh, he was doing this before Odell Beckham came through uh, halfway through the season. Uh, he was doing it when Robert Woods was, was active, and then he got hurt. He's been doing it all year regardless of who's been surrounding him uh, is just what he's done. It's just the, the, the work that he's put in to become, uh, I guess you have to say the best receiver in football. When you win the triple crown award, it's hard to uh, argue that. And, and, you know, there's so many receivers, like I said, that are so incredible and so athletic and you, you would never think to put Cooper cup above all of them, but man, this year, this is a charmed year for him. Uh, and it's because of the work that he put in and because uh, does not overlook it's because they got a real quarterback in the building as well. Cause he's not doing this with Jared Goff as his quarterback. I'm sorry. So uh, for 2021, for me, Cooper cup, you were the shit. You know, we're not that far. We're not that far away from both having the same award, uh, which we've only done a few times. Um, yeah. He was a strong contender for me. His production never stopped. He can line up anywhere. He runs every route. Uh, you don't have that. You don't have the, this. There's not that many receivers. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's fast. He gets behind. Obviously, you can. He gets behind defenses, but he'll go underneath. He'll get the tough yards. Uh, led the league in first downs uh, receptions um, as well, right? So he had the, the most, the, more than even like Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers like laser focus on Devontae yeah. Adams. And Cooper Cup converted more third down third downs even than him. So yeah, the the other two thousand yard guy, uh, multi purpose was was you know Cooper Cup. So we basically put the two guys um, who both combined for over two thousand yards as as our MVP and and the shit. So that, that's not something you'll get anywhere else. Right. The, the quarterbacks are going to get all the love uh, for, for MVP every year, and and like we said well-deserved. It's not like we're saying that Aaron Rodgers or Tommy or any of the other guys are bad, but <clears throat> right, these are special years that uh, they, these two guys put together, Debo and, and Cooper, so they're, they're getting their flowers from us. Well, that moves me into least valuable player and would move you into drizzling shits. So uh, this one, I struggled as much with this one as I did with the first one because there were quite a few. Um I had some strong runners up. Cam Newton was a strong runner up for this award, um, yeah. but didn't play enough. But yeah, yeah he was bad. Um, I, I toyed the idea of giving it to Ben Roethlisberger, 
who was well past his prime, and there were stats to back it up. Um, the amazing stat I saw about Ben Roethlisberger was he threw for 3,600 yards this last season, which is hey, great, right? He only threw for 600 of those 3,600 yards when his team had the lead. <laughs> which tells you it was a bad team. Uh, you know, we talked about them being underwater. Um, thought about giving it to Baker, but Baker didn't. He played through pain, and he shouldn't have. I don't think that makes you the least valuable. I think that makes you uh, the most stupid. But it doesn't make you the least valuable. No, uh, I actually have uh, co-least valuable players this year, which I've never done mm. before. But you'll understand why when I give this award to New Orleans Saints quarterbacks who aren't Jameis Winston. <laughs> this means you, Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, with the mad genius Sean Payton just, just walking away from the team. He's had enough trying to coax uh, respectable quarterback play out of a fullback and Trevor Simeon. Um, wow. It, it, that Saints team, believe it or not, still almost made the playoffs on the strength of that defense. Uh, Trevor Simeon on the season, hey, 11 touchdowns, three picks. That's not too bad. 6.1 yards per attempt for Trevor Simeon. In, in in several starts. I remember watching the game when Jameis Winston got the huge lead out over the Bucks in that in the first game uh that they played against each other. And then watching Trevor Simeon come in and cling to a lead for dear life like I have never seen anybody do before. Just hiding himself, trying not to do things to lose that game. And they damn near did lose the game until Tommy threw a pick six at the end. And then you have Taysom Hill, the fullback, uh, four touchdowns, five picks, just not very inspiring quarterback play. 58.2% completion percentage, which when was, when was that good? Early 80s? Yeah, that's uh, Joe Namath territory almost. Yeah. Uh, just not, not very good overall. Uh, those two guys, what a total clown show. That ended up being so, Sean Payton-led offense that is Jameis Winston was out for the majority of the season and was still their leading passer. God. So there you go. Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill. You were the least valuable players of 2021. Oh, man, they were, uh, they were bad. <laughs> it was some painful football to watch when those guys were, were on the field. And, uh, that the, the the Taysom Hill thing is mind boggling because that makes what year two or three of that project it clearly wasn't working and he got like Buku money uh, uh, resigned for that like he owes Sean Payton his life because he's getting millions and millions of dollars uh, for the next few years based on being a starting quarterback in, in the NFL which. He has about as much right to do that as I do. He is not the starting quarterback uh, in the NFL, but uh, they they kept trying. And, and yeah, Sean Payton eventually said, you know what? I need a break from all of this, man. This is not, this isn't fun anymore. This is uh, awful watching that happen. And uh, you mentioned briefly the fact that they still almost uh, got to the playoffs based on how good their defense was, which led to 
just today the obvious right call to make Dennis Allen the replacement for Sean Payton and the new head yes. coach of the Saints. And I think that's probably the smartest hire that's uh, of this of this cycling uh, of this uh, coaching cycle uh, thus far uh, in this offseason. Yeah, um, it's been interesting to watch this. Uh, we've we've got a whole lot of drama going on with this coaching carousel now, where we have. Uh, you know the the Brian Flores suing the league, bringing up the Bill Belichick uh, uh, texts, and and you got uh, then him and and Hugh Jackson talking about they were being paid to to lose games or being offered money to lose games, um, which means that I did not realize that uh, Hugh Jackson was like in Elon Musk territory because <laughs> that's where he should be. Out in space? No, rich, the richest man on earth for losing all the games he lost. <laughs> well, he didn't say how much. He just said he was uh, offered <laughs> money to lose. He, I mean, Jim Haslam probably could uh, uh, pay millions and millions of dollars man. per L. So, yeah, so with all the craziness we've got going on, yeah, that was a solid hire, you know. Um, yeah, all the, all the names, the retreads. We, we've got a whole off season to unpack all the – the coaching stuff, and you give away coaching awards, which I do not. Yeah, that I do. But that yeah, leads us to the drizzling shits. Yeah, I, I will have some coaching awards later. Uh, as uh, I, I do like to award the uh, non-Super Bowl winning coach of the year and the Super Bowl winning coach. I like to split that up. Uh, different skill sets, different categories. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. My pick for the drizzling shits, um, I similarly had some guys that I was looking at and cycling through and going, man, it was some, some terrible, terrible uh, football this year for some terrible players. You you picked uh, a couple of really good ones there. Um, I also looked at really bad quarterback play in specific, and uh, I could not get past that, that group of of rookie quarterbacks that really uh, did not yep. show a lot. Like outside of Mac Jones, those other guys uh, really uh, had some struggles going. And uh, I, I looked at a, a, a couple of them specifically, and I was like, you know, that that, that guy in uh, in New York, he had some some really bad football there. He didn't have a lot of help, but uh, Zach Wilson did not uh, engender a lot of uh, a lot of confidence in his play. Um, you know, poor Lou in Jersey uh, crying in his beer over uh, the New York Jets. But I didn't even settle on him. I looked at somebody else, probably because he had such expectations. Uh, out of everybody in that uh, rookie draft class, obviously, if you're going number one overall, you've got the expectation that you're going to really show and put on tape that you deserve to be number one. You're going to show everybody, okay, even though your team stinks and your coach stinks and you've got just no help around you, at least you're going to have some, some games and some plays where you show everybody, hey, this is why I was number one. This is why I deserve to be the top draft pick. This is why everyone should have some faith and some confidence that as things go along, I'm going to get better. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, engender confidence in this organization that I'm the guy that they need to rely on and count on for many years going forward. Pretty much the entire year, except for like that last game of the season, 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence never engendered any confidence. Uh, anybody that watched Jacksonville Jaguars football, first of all, my condolences. And uh, second of all, what the hell was that? That was – I understand he's got no help around him, but you got to do better than that. you got to put something out there that makes people go, okay, I see. I, I, okay, I see why he was a top pick. And he just never put anything out there uh, that 59% completion percentage, uh, similar to what – uh, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon were doing that was really uh, impressive and Pro Bowl worthy, uh, like you said, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, 12 to 17 touchdown to interception ratio is awful in any era, does not matter where. Six yards per attempt is atrocious. Six yards per attempt. Uh, that is, is, that's been Roethlisberger territory. That's just down at the bottom. Uh, only 214 yards per game, which is even worse when you consider that they barely won any game, so they were trailing all the time and were always passing. And that's all you came up with was 214 yards per game, and you're and you're, you're throwing trying to come back in every single game. Uh, and the 71.9 passer rating, I don't know why he never had any uh, better stats than this. He never seemed to like. I didn't watch, you know. Jacksonville Jaguars football, obviously. Um, I remember that one game I watched, uh, that that London game, um, and I just kept waiting for, you know, just show me something. Show me some reason why you're number one overall. And, and I remember watching him at, at uh, uh, Clemson and thinking, oh, wow, okay. I, I actually saw, you know, I understood why he was number one overall. He kept showing flashes at, at Clemson, like, okay, he's he's a leader. Uh, he makes plays. Uh he does whatever you need to do to win, uh, and, he, and he should be a really good pro. And through one year, he's not at all. It's, it's very early. He's got a lot of time to turn that around. But for for one terrible, awful rookie season, Trevor Lawrence, sorry, you were the drizzling shits. I agree. Uh, I, I tend to not pick on rookies because I have – uh, rookie awards, so we'll 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 see uh, how that shakes out. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. He was bad. Uh, those 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 numbers and are really awful. Six point oh yards per attempt for the number one pick in the draft who played every game. Yeah, didn't get hurt. This wasn't a Joe Burrow situation. And yes, had one good game, and it was the last game of the season. That's it. Like, show me something else. Show me something. I've just kept I waiting for it. Having a conversation at some point really late in the season, like, quick, quick, tell me some Trevor Lawrence highlights. Tell, tell me one thing you've seen him do. And it's like, uh, uh, like, you know, be in a shootout. You know, you're the number one pick. You're going to lose games. But you have to show something on the way to losing those games. And that was just such a – non-season they had all the urban meyer crap and and this just didn't make it any better his play was was not very good and that's not one of these cupboard is completely bare offenses he was just bad his play was his flowing hair on the subway commercials that's the best thing he did last year so yeah yeah i I have a hard time uh disagreeing with that because you know stats are not for losers in this case (laughs) but he did do a lot of losing Yes, and they got the number one pick in the draft again. Again. <laughs> Maybe he was paid to look that bad. I don't know. We'll, 
we, we haven't seen his bonus checks. Yeah, maybe they're paying him to lose games. Uh, just saying. Ah, so moving on here. Uh, quote of the year is my my next one. Uh, th- this one I, I already told you. I, I had this one as my quote of the year early in the season. There were some uh, some, some strong runners up. Uh, the yeah yeah I've 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 been Im- immunized. I believe was up there. <laughs> um, but no, just you know, for somebody who I damn near gave least valuable player to to still have the, the, the bravado and the swagger, even being terrible, I got to give it to Cam Newton. And with a, a simple, a simple three-word phrase, two touchdowns worth. <laughs> when, when Cam Newton was asked after his uh, first game back, uh, after they played the Arizona Cardinals, in this back around uh, November 13th, November 14th, he was asked by a reporter, uh, how much of the play, you know, how how much of the playbook did he know going into the game? And Cam Newton's answer, and in, in, in typical Cam Newton style, two touchdowns worth, and that's after he scored two touchdowns, uh, two short rushing touchdowns in the game where they used him, you know, the the way you'd expect them to have used them. Unfortunately, Cam Newton was overexposed um, in his comeback attempt because of the health of Sam Darnold. Um, not being able to stay healthy and on the field. We saw way too much Cam Newton, and he wasn't really a gadget guy <laughs> um, when he went out and actually had to do the job. Yeah, he was what, under six yards per attempt. But for one moment, Cam Newton, you know, never shies away from the cameras, gave us uh, what, what I thought, as soon as I heard it, was like, yep, it's not even so much for the, the confidence, but this point of his career, the false confidence, to just give you a big smile, and tell the reporter two touchdowns worth. That was Pete Cam, wasn't it? That's I'm I must I know two touchdowns worth. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I said it when it taste. happened, I said it was gonna be hard to beat. And uh I kept going back to it. There were, there were plenty of other things, but that is <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> That, oh that really man! Good. So uh, best play of the year. Um, go! I'm 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 giving best play of the year to the shit. It's your boy Cooper <laughs> Cup getting behind the Tampa defense in the divisional round and sending Tommy off to retirement. So after that's the why Bucks you're doing that. Yes, after the Bucks <laughs> and and thank God for it. But it was a great play. You know, the, the Rams were shell-shocked uh, by that Tampa comeback, and there were all these different reasons for it, right? I mean, you know, the kicker was hurt. You know, t- Cooper Cup fumbles a ball. Cam Akers couldn't hold on to the ball. Like, the Rams were doing everything that they possibly could to just crap that game away to the Tommy mystique. And the Rams get the ball back, and you don't, you don't really know what they're going to do with it because they had to go a long way. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just uh, – a fait accompli that the, that they were going to get the ball and just go right down and score the way that they had co- completely collapsed in the fourth quarter of that game. And, you know, Matt Stafford and, and Sean McVay and Cooper Cup, they, 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 they proved that they had the, the balls of steel because they dialed up a couple of 
long pass plays to Cooper Cup, but none none more important than that uh, you know corner blitz uh, that 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 the uh, that the Bucks dialed up and Matt Stafford back there cool as a cucumber floats it out there for for Cooper Cup who uh, just added to his great season getting behind the Tampa safety for a long 44 yard catch and if if you didn't know at that moment. Um, what was happening? You should have watched Matt Stafford running down the field and trying to get the troops all corralled. And as soon as he spiked that ball, uh, that looked, he looked like a champion. Matt Stafford has arrived. This is the guy who knows that he just slayed the dragon. And uh, Matt Gay was able to come out there with the bad leg and kick it through. But that's my play of the year. Yeah, I see right through you. I know exactly why you did that. It's because it eliminated Tommy and ended his career. That's why you did that. All these other incredible athletic plays in the NFL this year, and you're giving it to a, a – it was a nice play. You're right. But, come on, it's just a deep ball, just a deep pass that put the Rams in field goal range. But you're doing that because it eliminated Tommy. You, you, you're you just a Tommy hater. That's all it was. No, it was <laughs> – come on. It was a great play. It was. It was. It was, and, it was and, a good and, play. and not only was it a great play, it was clutch. You know, it it, it really was at the at the most dramatic moment. The mo- you know, like the thing you did not expect to happen. Yep, yeah, and and it was uh, my like you said my shit my my guy Cooper Cup. It was. Yeah. Yet another example of just whatever we got to do, whatever my team needs me to do to win this game, okay, I'll just keep getting behind the defense uh, and, and making these big catches and knowing I'm going to get drilled and pulling them in anyway. And, yeah, he, he's uh, he was incredible. That was uh, a big reason why he was the shit was just moments just like that where he just did whatever his team needed. And, yeah, uh, I, I again, I know why you did it. So I understand the, the motivation, but hey, any any more flowers for for Cooper Cup is is fine by me. I'm I'm all for giving Cooper his flowers tonight. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and it's and it's not one of these things where we just remember, you know, the thing that just happened, right? You know, I give an awards. I didn't just give awards out for everything that happened in the last two weeks. So, uh, worst play of the year was easy. You know what? You know what it is, and I know what it is. <laughs> couple of real nice choices for this one as well. So I, I wonder if you think it's the same one. Well, worst play of the year absolutely goes to a left-handed jump pass out of your own end zone <laughs> by one Carson Wentz in week eight against the Tennessee Titans in a really close game, uh, getting pressure in his own end zone and just decides to switch hands, jump up in the air and give it the old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and throws it right into the arms of Elijah Bolden on the Tennessee defense who walks two yards into the end zone to put the Titans up by a touchdown in one of the – we had a lot of those, like, yeah, plays this year. <laughs> yeah. For, well, not just Carson Wentz. We, we yeah. had, like, Jimmy, Jimmy G just had one mm-hmm. last week. You know, here comes the defense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. You take it. Um, so yeah, that had that, that had a similar feel to it. But this one, you know, the the ball he threw, kind of Jimmy G threw, snuck up on the the, the running back, and he kind of like yeah, jumped off. Yeah, no idea what's coming. Yeah, no. Carson Wentz just threw that ball straight to the Tennessee defense <laughs> out of his own end zone, left-handed, jumping in the air. 
It is one of the worst plays you'll ever see. That is the opposite of clutch. <laughs> like everything that we just talked about with Stafford and Cooper Cup, Carson Wentz was the opposite of that. So uh, to me, it, when I, as soon as I saw it, I knew I had just seen the worst play <laughs> of the year. No, I, I can't argue with that. But uh, but did you have any follow-ups or runners-up uh, for that? No, because once I had, it, 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 <laughs> once you once it sets the standard, <laughs> you either it either beats it or it doesn't. So it doesn't really matter after that. To me, it was like, nope, didn't beat it. Nope, still Carson Wentz. So I dismissed a lot of bad plays. I'm sure, but that was that was like all time. No, that, that was that was. Uh, it had everything. It had the panic. It had the don't mm-hmm. do that. In, don't don't do that dance in the back of the end zone when you're that close to a safety. Uh, don't you know? Don't turtle up like that. Oh, and now you're gonna throw it away, but you're gonna use your left hand and just kind of fling it in there. What what the? F- yeah, that that had everything. That was just uh, the absolute list of things not to do in that situation. So it was a good job out of him. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of. Uh, quarterback seemingly making some panic throws I didn't know if you had any follow-ups my follow-up would just be and I think I'm doing this because I don't think I'd put it down for any awards myself so I just wanted to give a a shout out and and credit and flower you know we're giving flowers we're giving dead flowers as well I just want to say good job out of Joe Judge making sure that everyone knew how unqualified and undeserving he was to be a head coach in the NFL uh, with that third down, third and nine quarterback oh. sneak thing that he did uh, for the Giants. That. Uh, That's more of like a coaching thing, right? It was a, it was a terrible, yeah. terrible play. It wasn't the, the player's fault. It was just the car. Or, uh, Why Mike would McCarthy, you do that? Mike McCarthy with the quarterback sneak at the end of the playoff Ooh, game. Ooh, there's another great one. I, yeah. I forgot yeah, about that to it. Me, that to me is not an individually bad effort. Right. That took everybody. What Carson Wentz did (laughs) was on nobody but him. And I I would have felt remiss if somehow in a season where we talk about the worst things, that Carson Wentz's name didn't come up. Yeah. Yeah, that was was bad. (laughs) Uh, That was was top shelf bad. So, yeah, very deserving. Yeah, that play was all, all kinds of special. And we've had some really bad plays win worst play of the year uh, over the years. And and this is probably one of the worst. Yeah, that, that's, that's right up there at the top of the highlight reel or low yeah. light. Right. <laughs> that, that That's like all of infamy. Like, you know, you put those <laughs> up on a wall and play them on a loop. Worst uh, plays ever. <laughs> <sighs> well, I'll, I'll move on from that to uh, rookie of the year. Best rookie. Um, this to me was easy. I didn't have to. I didn't have to look too hard. I did not have to go through many stats. Uh, it's Jamar Chase. I guess he can catch after all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, what was that? Wasn't that the knock on him in the in the preseason? Yeah, it didn't look the, good in August. He, he's got bad hands. He comes out in his first game, goes for 101 yards uh, in a season in which he catches 81 balls for 1,455 yards, 18 yards per reception and uh, seven games over a hundred yards receiving. And two of those were over 200. Yeah. I would pray to have hands that bad. 
So, uh, and in the midst of all that was that record-breaking 266-yard three-touchdown effort against the Chiefs. Um, amazing season. And here's Cincinnati. This has nothing to do with the Bengals being in the Super Bowl, uh, but he did go for over 102 out of the three games uh, that he played so far in the postseason, and plus added a touchdown in the one that he didn't. So, uh, added a dimension to that uh, Cincinnati offense that we sort of marveled at all year. Like, you just so many different ways that they can get you. And when it wasn't Chase, they were getting receiving from other guys. They were getting from T. Higgins. And they were getting running from Joe Mixon. They, they, were, they, they incorporated so much into that offense, but Chase was the linchpin. I mean, he was the guy. It's like you had to stop him if you had a chance. And if you look up and down at his season, uh, if they didn't stop him, the Bengals won. So that's easy to me. Rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. Yeah, no, no arguments from me. He absolutely had that connection from from jump with, with Joe Burrow. Like uh, it almost makes you wonder what the hell were they doing in preseason? Was he slow playing it? Was he like, I'm going to take this yeah. league by storm when this shit starts <laughs> counting for real? But until then. Eh, I can't really see the ball very well. There's, there's a stripe a in the college guy. ball that makes it seem uh, closer or easier to track. If there's no stripe now, and I, I don't know, I don't, I, I'm not sure if I can play this game at all. I just, just completely slow played everybody, and then when the season started, he just decided to, I, I'm just going to go off and beat everybody's ass now. So kudos to him. Yeah. So I, I, deserving award. Sometimes I struggle with that one. I, this one was easy. Yeah. Uh, worst rookie of the year, and uh, it's pile on time now. Oh, <laughs> Trevor, look out, Trevor! <laughs> now, Trevor, there's good news. There's good news. This is not a death sentence. So many of my worst rookies of the year have come back and actually produced. That maybe there's hope for you. Uh, but you heard all, yeah, worst rookie of the year was Trevor Lawrence. He he played one good game and was just a, a ghost for the whole rest of the season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, it, you said it all, 12, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks, seven, five lost fumbles on top of those 17 picks, so Ugh. 22 turnovers, that's not good. 6.0 yards per attempt is, oh, I mean, we crapped on guys with better yards per attempt than Trevor Lawrence. Like, he flew under the radar bad this year just because he got a pass. He's on Jacksonville. But, boy, the numbers don't lie. And uh, Trevor Lawrence putting up a 5.8 yards per attempt in the fourth quarter is not getting it done. Again, the opposite of clutch. 5.5 yards per attempt on third downs is not getting it done. Uh, Nothing – I'm sad that you gave all the bad stats that I already wanted to give <laughs> so I, I could keep this short and sweet, but I wanted to throw in those two as well because that's uh, pretty awful. 5.8 yards in the, per attempt in the fourth quarter and 5.5 yards per attempt on third down. And you're Jacksonville, so that means you probably faced a lot of third and long. Yeah, that, that's the thing. <laughs> they so had to think, throw all year because they were losing, yeah. and this, this is what you come up with? Oh. So, uh, no, not not very good. You know, you go into the actual statistical breakdowns, and you go down in distance on third and and on third and eight through third and ten, 
3.8 yards per attempt. Ugh. Yeah. Like you're not trying to get the first down? 37.8% like just... completions on third and long. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, the good news is he's going to get a new coach, hopefully somebody who's a little bit more offensive-minded. I know that the, you know, he wasn't getting anything from Urban Meyer. It's very similar to the to the problems uh, we saw with, like, Justin Fields. But Justin Fields, every once in a while, at least you'd see, like, oh, oh, yeah, there's why they drafted him so high. You know, you'd see some natural talent come through. Yeah, that's the thing. Show me something. Nothing from Trevor Lawrence. But he literally had a nothing season. I still cannot, in my mind, think of a Trevor Lawrence highlight. <laughs> You're not going to find any with those kind of numbers. Um, yeah, you can... <laughs> no, it's one of those YouTube videos where they, they, they put it up on the screen. It's like, yeah, the 2021 Trevor Lawrence highlight reel, and then it just shows a blank screen and then goes, thanks for watching. It's going to be one of those. <laughs> uh, you can uh... – show what what how bad Trevor Lawrence was just by mentioning uh that take a look at the season that Zach Wilson had and how awful he looked and both of us decided to spotlight how bad Trevor Lawrence was in comparison both of us overlooked you know, Zach Wilson completely I I believe though that it was you who actually had some nice things to say about Zach Wilson a few times this year, especially, you know, late in the season after he came back from injury, that he actually showed a little. He showed a couple of flashes, yes. That's more than Trevor Lawrence did. Trevor Lawrence showed nothing. (laughs) Pretty much nothing, yeah. (sighs) An award that I added a few years ago, uh, Rookie Steal of the Draft. I I, I, I plumbed the depths of the late rounds of the draft. Last year I went undrafted with James Robinson because everybody passed him up. But this year, I'm I'm actually going to go into the draft. Uh, round six, pick 10. So this is pretty late in the draft. And that is where the San Francisco 49ers found Elijah Mitchell. Nice. Who in 11 games, 11 games, ran for 963 yards at 4.7 <laughs> yards per attempt. That was a and, real and, good and production out of your six-round much, pick. Yeah, pretty much became their running – that worked in tandem with Debo Samuel, and then they go on this run almost all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, that That is – it's crazy how many productive late-round running backs you know, in a league that just does not value running anymore, it seems like. How how you can just keep finding guys like this? Guys who are almost thousand yard rushers. I mean, this guy ran for nine hundred sixty three yards in eleven games. So was was well on his way to a full thousand yard season uh, if he had gotten the PT or you know health had been there because I know that that San Francisco backfield spent a lot of the second half of the season nicked up like crazy. But uh, that that's a rookie steal to me. Certainly. I, I didn't know if you were going to go sort of the obvious uh, because everyone, of course, with the Super Bowl now is talking about the uh, only kicker drafted in the in the draft last year, the fifth round pick, Evan McPherson of the Bengals. And boy, has Man. he put on a show this postseason uh, with four field goals in each of the three wins. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was good, too. But I went later. So I went I went to the sixth round. 
I, I'm a big Eli Mitchell fan. I have no uh, no qualms about that pick. He's he's been very productive. All right, here we'll get this. Sorry, trying to get to my get to my notes on my phone here. Okay, all right, <laughs> lost my spot. Oh man, this one is I, I call this the story of the year, and it you know very rarely do we have a a story of the year that literally lasts a whole year, and and this year we did. And it would it, it would go away for a little while, and then it would come back, and then it would go away for a little. And it, it was it, it all I'm going to call it is the uh, I, I likened it to the 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 heart of darkness. If you're familiar with heart of darkness or that type of journey, you know, like Apocalypse Now, where it's just this journey descend into madness and darkness, and like things just keep getting worse and worse. Nothing embodied that more than the season that Aaron Rodgers had. And the um, year that he had, I mean, this whole year, just to, I think the most amazing thing about this whole year with Aaron Rodgers is that he was able to still be playing at an MVP level, but everything with the, 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 the rift with the organization, the, the COVID, the showing up on podcasts to the, the political stuff. It, I mean, it just kept going and, and going and, and with Aaron Rodgers all year. And, you know, and it's like everybody had a side. I mean, you called Karen Rodgers. I mean, it was a crazy season. And on top of all that, he was still able to perform at, at, at some of the highest levels that we've seen. And had a and they had a great season. They had 13 games. They lost. They they they, they crapped away that last game. Nobody cared about that last game. And he missed one of the games that they lost, which was just an absolutely terrible game. And in just the whole season, in general, you know, he, he's got, uh, it, you know, he, he, it's like the stuff with Jeopardy. I mean, just think about this season, <laughs> everything that happened with all this stuff going on with Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? It's still not over. Another off-season of wondering, will he, won't he, will he force his way out? But, yeah, it's it's never-ending with this guy. And, yeah, everything that happened, and at, at every turn, uh, you just kept looking at him and go, will, he won't shut up. Dude, just, yeah. just, just shut up for one second. You don't have to respond to every piece of criticism you get. Sometimes you can just back off and, and let it go and – Two days later, the news cycle will move on, and nobody will remember and everything. But he he seemed like he had to respond to every single thing, and it just that's why it was never ending because it kept feeding upon itself because he kept feeding it because he I think I, secretly I think he loves that shit. I think he loved being in the news cycle uh, with everything that he said, and he, he I think he kept a lot of this crap going himself because he likes it because he's a diva like that. Yeah, uh, you know, there's definitely that. Uh... There's definitely that diva element to this. I know that's been brought up in the past, you know, and these 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 high end guys, right? I mean, if he was a wide receiver, he'd be like Chad uh, Johnson, right? He'd be the, the next T.O. Yeah, you know, Rogers would be over there, you know, kicking, you know, proposing to the net and kicking the net. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It, to me, it just was. It was the. It wasn't a a single issue. It wasn't like we, you know, in the past we've had the story of the year. Last year it was COVID. 
we've had stories of the year be rules oriented, you know, like we had that whole, what is a catch season? Um, but yeah, this, this year to me, it was just this constant, like it just wouldn't go away. And every few weeks here would come some more Aaron Rodgers stuff and, and it would, and it would have nothing to do with the game of football and it would just, and it would go away for a little while. He'd play great. And you know, you'd go, wow, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's still really good at football. And then more stupid shit would happen and it just wouldn't stop. And, uh, we get to go through it again this off season. I just hope it doesn't become a, a season long thing because I, I don't want to. Ever, I've never wanted to give a back to back award. It's this one. <laughs> Have to wait and see, but man, it's not starting off well. No, <laughs> not at all. Oh, all right, the Jimmy Garoppolo team, or as we used to call it, the Houston Texans Memorial Cheek preseason pick to make the playoffs. Uh, that's the team that Jimmy, you know, we, we, this, this is funny because here's Jimmy G now about to play himself out of that city completely. Um, but remember he was the Messiah. I love this team. There. This team got hot at the right time last year, man. They're going to come back and be hot this, this season. Oh Watch yeah. This so, uh, this one to me was pretty easy. I'm giving this one to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, at, they start the season one and seven, um, End up almost damn near making the playoffs. Yeah, they bum slayed a lot. But this is not an award that cares about bum slaying. This is an award that, that, you know, everybody, somebody's going to try to be the smartest guy in the room and give the what about team, you know, when everybody's going to talk about, you know, sleepers to make the playoffs. And some some idiot is going to go, what what about the Miami Dolphins? And then they're all going to think they're really cool. Uh, They are neglecting. To, you know, the fact that they're in a division with the Bills and the Patriots. <laughs> kind of an important thing, but somebody's going to think that they're the smart guy in the room because they're going to have the Miami Dolphins to make the playoffs because remember that finish they had last year? No one's talking about this team, but I'm telling you, watch out for the Dolphins. So that to me was the team that, that finished hot, that didn't deserve any any run at all and uh, was completely fraudulent and they got exposed as fraudulent at the end of the season as they should have. Yeah. But someone's going to look up at that nine and eight and go, what about the Miami Dolphins? <laughs> oh. Every year. Ah, well, I like this award because it makes look back. It's the, it happened this year, but it feels like so long ago award. This one, <laughs> I'm giving this one to Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Remember when they were relevant? They're three and zero. Watch out for the Carolina. That Panthers. That happened this season. People were talking about the resurgent season of Sam Darnold, and he was going to get MVP consideration. And look at what they're doing. Oh my God! I guess all he had to do was leave the Jets. Look at Sam Darnold now, huh? Hmm. Uh, and in age well, did did not did not go so well. So it's the Kim Etheridge Public Relations Award. We love this one, don't we? Oh, absolutely. This is because this has had some some all time bad winners <laughs> for twenty one million reasons relations. to love this award. Was that? Twenty-one million reasons to love this award. Twenty-one million to love this award. Uh, this is not something you know. This is one 
You know, sometimes something sneaks through that we don't talk about for a whole season. So I love it when I get to highlight things like this. I'm going all the way back to April for this award. April the 20th. And this would be the Las Vegas Raiders I Can Breathe campaign that lasted about an hour. Man. After, <laughs> after the after the guilty verdict Derek Chauvin trial uh, for the murder of George Floyd. And the Raiders took so much bad publicity and heat <laughs> in one hour that they pulled down the whole thing. And uh, it was coming at them from, from every angle. Um to, to first of all use, you know, George Floyd's pretty much dying words and, and turning them around into like some virtue signaling ad campaign, man, that's some Kim Etheridge level shit right there. You say we we bring it all back and we remember everything. This is a perfect example, folks. So nobody remembers that shit except we do right here on IMLD. <laughs> So kudos Did to you remember DJ it? for oh no I had long forgotten oh. about but I remember when you said it because I'm like oh yeah they sure did do that didn't they what a they dumbass sure move that was and I'm if you know I've got my radar <laughs> up all the time for mm-hmm. shit like this right because I have to give out an award every year so here's me when I saw that and saw the backlash from that and uh, it was I mean we're not talking about like a couple of people that that like went and canceled this, you know, and it was just like a couple. No, no, this wasn't a vocal minority. This was universally reviled by everybody, and uh, it didn't last very long. <laughs> um, the Raiders they, they they took their lumps again, uh, very similar to last year's winner. I believe that was Drew Brees. Um, taking his lumps, but fortunately for both of them, it was the, like, dead of the off season, right? And, uh, yeah, they, uh, the, the number here said that uh, at, at 8.50 p.m. that evening, the, the, the tweet had received 41,300 tweets to only 11,000 likes. So th- I believe that's what they call ratio. That is the definition of ratioed. And the Las Vegas Raiders got ratioed uh, <laughs> to no end trying to virtue signal and, and, and just, just to, oh, man, I knew it was bad. It was bad. So I'm highlighting it here on the show. We never forget. And it makes you look at the uh, awful season uh, that, the, uh, that the Raiders were going to have uh, off the field. And you look back at something like that and go, yeah, it makes a little more sense now because that organization just doesn't know when, when to quit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised I did not find the Raiders for more this year. But again, that's what you're here for. I have too yeah. much structure. Don't don't worry. I, I know you're going to find the you. Raiders. So I yeah, thank you. Thanks. It's why it's, <laughs> see, this is why we this is why we work so well on this. Uh, Game of the year. Oh, boy, it was the greatest game of all time. Um, 
Yeah, but it was a good game. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs 42, Bills 36 in the divisional round playoff. I don't know how much more. We we spent 40 minutes on that game, if you go back and, and listen to the previous show. Um, man, it, it was crazy. Back and forth, there was drama. There were comebacks. There was a 13-second field goal drive. The other team <laughs> scores the game-winning touchdown, never sees the ball again. Um, and, it, and it was – and neither one of those teams is going to the Super Bowl. Nope. <laughs> so much they took it out of each other. Championship game. They, they took it out of each other. Chiefs had nothing they left did. after that, man. There was just nothing left after that game. But in, in a season, uh, you know, when you got 283 regular season games and then all these playoff games, did you see a better game than that all year? Fuck no, no. I'm the. I'm. You're not the. You're not going to find me uh, poo pooing and talking about all that. We're, we're a victim of recency bias and saying that's the great. I'm sorry. I said it when it happened, as you know, as it was happening, it was as soon as it was over. I said that might be the best damn game I've ever watched. That was, yeah, that was an experience, man. That was unbelievable. Just bombs back and forth by those quarterbacks, uh, and not just bombs through the air, but bombs with their legs, bombs, uh, whatever yep. they had to do. They they got whatever they wanted to do however they wanted to do it, whether it was through the air or, or running or that was just two men in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes that were both refusing to lose that game. They both, that that's like when you look back at great feuds, uh, when you, you know, go back and look at uh, Manning Brady and, and, you know, great, that that's the starting point of a game like that. Uh, we, we might look back 15 years later and say that was the start of, of one of the greatest feuds in NFL history between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes because those two were like playing to the death like they were refusing uh, to lose that game and as far as I'm concerned Josh Allen didn't lose that game because he there's literally like you said we talked about it for 40 minutes there's literally nothing else he could have done to win, to win that game go ahead drive with, with 13 seconds left to put the Bills in front I just knew it was over um Maybe the the squib kick was the way to go there on the kickoff. I, I still think that was a bad call coaching wise, but whatever the case may be, the fact is the Chiefs did make it in the field goal range with 13 seconds left, and the kicker did nail the field goal to send it to overtime, and then they did that. You can't take it away from them. They win the coin toss, they go down and, and get the touchdown and win the game. Yeah, it was uh, it was like I said, it was an experience to watch a game like that. It was. It wasn't bad defense either. It was two offenses executing at the best of, of their levels, at the highest of their levels. Uh, they were both just turned all the way on, turned all the way up to 11. Um, and I, I can't talk about that game enough because that was just an, an experience to watch. And it's too bad that the Chiefs seemed to uh, to leave it all on the field uh, that week because they, they really didn't seem to have it uh, last week against the Bengals. Came back, came out, took the lead. Uh, in the first half, uh, had that drive at the end of the half where they decided to try to go for the touchdown instead of the field goal to get the door slammed on them, and that's that was pretty much it. They had nothing left after that. Like, up, oh, we're, we're finished. We we're done. We left it all. We, we had nothing left. We left everything else uh, out there against the Bills, and, and we can't do anything else. So sad to see that. But yeah, that that game was unbelievable. Yeah, I knew if I just mentioned that game, you'd give me ten minutes on it. So sorry. It was game of the year. Uh, worst game of the year. Oh, I, I referenced it earlier, and I thought long and hard. You know, I thought about oh, maybe it was that nine-six Bills Jags game. That was a bad game. I thought about the the three pass game uh, being the worst game of the year. Another Bills game. Um, 
No, I'm going to a primetime Sunday night game, week nine, Chiefs 13, Packers 7. What an <laughs> awful football game to watch. That was the let's zero blitz Jordan Love into oblivion <laughs> game. And, you know, he started to figure it out. Problem was he didn't start to figure it out until about 57 minutes had gone by in the game. And, uh yeah, you started to think, well, you know, if this game was maybe another quarter, maybe this Packers offense would get it into gear because their defense uh, stymied Patrick Mahomes the whole game. Uh, they were game. <laughs> that Packers defense, they held the they held that Chiefs offense to 13. But with no Aaron Rodgers out there, it would you – know, that to me is one of those – this is why Aaron Rodgers wins MVPs because the backup – that's what you get when Aaron Rodgers isn't out there. But like you said, that's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. No, that's just the GM hasn't put anything behind yeah. him. That's all that is. Correct. So that was a brutal game to watch. Highlight, you know, sort of amplified by the fact that it was in prime time, and, and you, ugh. It, it, it was a it was a chore to sit through. It was not good football. Yes, it was close. Yes, it went down to the wire, but it was not good football. So that to me was the worst game of the year. If we didn't enjoy it, imagine how Jordan Love felt. I don't think he remembers much about that game. You know, I'll give him credit. There weren't a lot of like, yeah, throws in there. He just had to take it the whole game. You know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't see him pull a Jimmy G. I, I didn't see him put the ball in his left hand and jump in the air. <laughs> Throw the ball to the Kansas City defense. He just had he basically just took you know took a pounding and got back up again. So hey, good for him. You know, well, welcome to the league, kid. You know you you didn't wilt. Uh, you hung in there the whole game, but it doesn't make for good football watching. Hey, he didn't throw a bad left-handed interception for a pick six. He's got that going for him. Ah, so it's my last award, and then we let I let you. They have the floor. It's the Grammy. <laughs> it's Antonio Brown's Grammy Award. And this year, it goes to somebody it, it, not on the field. I don't know if I've done this before. No, this goes to somebody who decided to do an acting job as not only a doctor, but as a weatherman as well. And I'm giving this award to Joe Buck, <laughs> who decided... <laughs> And I quote Joe Buck, the last thing we would ever do is speculate about any injury, especially that type. But when you see his arms shaking and his hands shaking on his way out, that's the part that's most unnerving. I will just add this. It is very cold, at least by Los Angeles standards, down on the field. Oh, my God. Joe Buck, what the hell? (laughs) He's talking about Donald Parham, the tight end for the Los Angeles Rams, who had just been brutally concussed by himself, apparently, uh, on an on an errant throw into the end zone by Matthew Stafford. Uh, nobody hit him. He, he just jumped in the air and missed the ball and fell on the ground. And the next thing you know, he's all you know, laying there with his arms up in the air, completely brutally concussed and shaken. And Joe Buck decides that not only is he a doctor, he plays one on TV. And he's also giving us the weather report for the law. Oh, just Joe Buck. Dude. Dude. 
perfect lead into uh, my end of the award show because that's one of my awards. I called it the Diarrhea of the Mouth Award, and it went to <laughs> Joe Buck, our favorite play-by-play guy, Joe Buck of Fox. Uh, it was a Clippers tight end, Donald Parham, as you said. He knocked himself out cold week 15 against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, trying to go up on the back uh, of the end zone to catch a ball and came down and hit his head very hard on the turf. And this was such an egregious diary of the mouth moment that I wanted to make sure that I got that quote that you just said as directly as possible. And I did you one better. I didn't chart it down and write it down. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Buck. Getting a lot of text messages from family and friends about that scene with Parham Jr. And the last thing we would ever do is speculate about any injury, especially that type. But when you see his arm shaking and his hand shaking on his way out, that's the part that's most unnerving. I will just add this. It is very cold, at least by Los Angeles standards, down on the field. And hopefully that was more the issue than anything else. What? Oh, man. Give that man the Grammy. What? What? What What the hell are you talking about? Oh. Yeah, the, uh, the the best acting award, the Grammy for for, for Joe Buck. Um, yeah, that was egregious in, in in its not not just how inaccurate it was, but in the, the the lack of sensitivity to the situation. Like, there's no way in hell you would do that, Joe Buck, if that was a player that you knew or a family that you knew or had any kind of personal connection with, because you don't do shit like that. Uh, if you actually care about the person, but because it was just some guy they didn't really care about, he could throw out. So, and, and that, and the worst part of it is the, uh, by the, let me give the disclaimer. First of all, we would hate to speculate. We would never want to speculate. Yeah. On something. But let's totally speculate. Then let's totally speculate. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. That, that, we could add all kinds of awards for that. You could diarrhea of the mouth. We could have, could have called that the stay in your lane award. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Buck, <laughs> just stay in your lane, man. Dude. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'm stretching the bounds of the acting award a little bit, but he was playing multiple roles there. He wasn't just the sportscaster. He was a doctor and a weatherman all at once. And he played them all on TV. Oh, man. And not very well, which is the whole point of that award. <laughs> well, that was a very robust and, and deserving uh, chunk of awards uh, by UJ this year. So we thank you for that. Um, I will move on here with the uh, last bit of live time. The last 45 minutes will be me and my set of awards, which, uh, as Jay told you, is a, a lot more pithy and uh specialized for for whoever deserves that award. I'll I'll make a special award just for them. Uh, But I do also have my regular awards that I give out. I do have Coach of the Year awards. I have uh, a Heckle and Giant Award for the most uh, crazy player or person that just so inconsistent through the year. I have my Kerry Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award for the team that just broke my heart. Um, so we will get started with my Coach of the Year selections. I decided to split them up every year into Coaches of the Year among the coaches that have never won a Super Bowl and then Coach of the Year among those who actually have won a Super Bowl before. I just feel like it's a, a different 
criteria that they should be held to. So all of those coaches that did incredible things with their teams and brought them, some of them to the brink of, of the Super Bowl, some of them in the Super Bowl, a uh, lot of guys that haven't won it before that are that really had a lot of uh, uh, innovation, uh, a lot of just figuring out ways to win, just uh, just finding a way. And that was my team. That was my guy. Just kept finding a way. The San Francisco 49ers, they found their way to the NFC title game. They found their way, uh, a drive away from the Super Bowl. They found a, a way out of whatever that, that bad record was when I looked back uh, earlier in the season and noticed, hey, you know, they might have uh, they might be under 500, but, man, they're, they're right up there, top 10 in, in yards per play, and they, they got something going there. They, they run that offense, uh, and they just find a way. They, they got Jimmy G uh, at quarterback, and you know you can't really uh, do too much with him. Uh, obviously, they don't have that much respect for him or confidence in him. Again, hello, they drafted his replacement in, in the first round and moved up to get him. So please do not uh, sing me the praises of Jimmy Garoppolo just because he got to the NFC title game again um, because they don't think that highly of him. But even with all of that, and this feeds on your, your Debo Samuel thing a little bit uh, for your MVP, that I'm giving Kyle Shanahan my Coach of the Year award uh, in the non-Super Bowl winner division. He just kept finding a way. He said, let me take my best weapon uh, on the outside and, and put him in the backfield, which nobody really does, and, and let's make him the all-purpose monster that nobody can bring down. Let's uh, have him and, and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and just put all these guys in position to uh, get the most production and the most yardage each play, and they just kept finding a way uh, to, to beat teams, to put themselves in position uh, they get into the playoffs as a wild card, knock off the Cowboys, knock off the uh, Packers in Lambeau Field in zero-degree weather. They just kept finding a way. It was unbelievable. And uh, I, I got all the respect in the world for, for Kyle Shanahan. I'll always uh, reference that uh, nepotism start to his career, that he got opportunities uh, very young uh, that he shouldn't have gotten necessarily because his dad happened to be Mike Shanahan. But, look, he's made the most of them. He's done anything that and everything that you could ask out of a, a coordinator uh, with the Falcons and now gets this opportunity with the 49ers and has got uh, a couple of conference title games under his belt. There's a lot of accomplished coaches out there that do not have a, a conference championship appearances and Super Bowl appearances, and he's got uh, some some high accolades already, and especially this year, just being innovative and just keep finding ways to get his team down the field and be uh, all-purpose threats uh, every time they took the field, uh, especially doing it with a quarterback that, he, that you know he didn't really trust. Uh, for me, Kyle Shanahan was my coach of the year. That, that's hard to argue with. Uh, you, you sang their praises, especially as the season wore on. You know, and you, you were not uh, you were not blind to what was going on with them, and uh, they, they, yeah, they 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 came really damn close to pulling that off. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, so glad they didn't. <laughs> uh, and in the uh, Super Bowl winner division for Coach of the Year, for me, I'm giving it to to the goat coach because Bill Belichick did uh, kind of what we thought he was going to do and, and I don't think a whole lot of people were predicting them to to be this good but we we kind of saw it coming we we saw the 
young quarterback getting drafted, and we knew they were going to bring him along slowly. And then as the year went on, they were just going to ramp him up, you know, a little more and a little more. They're going to have uh, most of their defensive players back. Uh, a lot of them sat out last year due to due to COVID. A lot of them opt, opted out. Some guys were hurt, but we knew they were going to get a lot of those guys back. And, and we knew the, the New England Patriots were going to be contenders again. We uh, believe we both picked them as, as playoff teams with, uh, with, with, with the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. And I don't think a lot of people were, were going out on that limb, but we, we kind of saw it coming because we, we saw the structure. And if there's one thing Bill Belichick knows is structure and there's, uh, he can put a, a team together and show them exactly how to do it. I really do think the Patriots did as well as they could and went as far as they could go, even acknowledging the uh, the, the violent end to their season uh, in that playoff game in Buffalo. Um, I still think that's you know about the most that they could hope for, about as, the, the best that they could do. They they got to the playoffs. They were very close to coming all the way through and winning that division. If the Buffalo Bills don't uh, sort of rally back off of that loss that they took in the regular season to the Patriots uh, and sort of right the ship and go in and and, and reclaim that victory. If they lose that second game uh, to New England, they go up to New England and lose, then the Patriots would have actually uh, been division champions and. Uh, who knows from there? You, you get Bill Belichick at home uh, in the playoffs. Uh, weird things happen up there, as, as we know. So uh, I, I'm giving the GOAT coach uh, the coach of the year amongst uh, the Super Bowl champion coaches. Uh, and, and I think Bill Belichick uh, got back from, from what he was listening to and dealing with last year. Remember, uh, he, he goes out last year with Cam Newton as his quarterback. They missed the playoffs. He has to watch his guy, Tom Brady, turn around in one year, go to a whole different team and take them to the championship. And everybody was talking about, oh, Belichick, he might be a little overrated. We talked about he was the go, but look at what happened. Uh, so I, I think he got a little bit of that rep back this year, but amongst people like you and me, I, I don't think he ever really lost it. No. And, you know, we, we're not joking when we call him the go. We're not saying that tongue in cheek. Um, you know, and, and if you need more evidence, you know, about the the fact that he just, you know, you talk about finding a way, go back to that, that three-pass Mac Jones game. How many other coaches would do that? Not very many. I mean, and, and have the, you know, just we are going to come up with the game plan that is going to win this game. No other game, right? We're not going to. We're not worried about next week. We're not worried about the week before. We're not worried about it looking great. Oh, wow, there's there's 40-mile-an-hour wins. We're just going to run and run and run and run and run. And and they did it over and over and over, and it it worked. And 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 then after the end of it, you're just looking at it, and you go, well, of course it worked. <laughs> of course. Right? Of course. Of course it worked. So, yeah, hard, hard to argue with that. You know, the Patriots got back to relevance in two seasons. That was very quick. Yep, with a rookie QB, too. Yeah, what we, for what we thought was going to be the Bills division, like, in a cakewalk for a decade. Eh, maybe, yeah. maybe it won't be a cakewalk. Yeah, they, they came one game away from uh, completely losing it back again, and I thought they were going to. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the GOAT for that. So worst coach of the year amongst all the non-Super Bowl winning coaches. Whew, well, there's a lot of choices to go through here. But, look, I'm not going to get too cute with this. Uh, 
Urban Meyer was never qualified to to really be uh, an NFL head coach. He was a, he's a college coach. Is what he does. Is what he's best at. And he really should have stayed a college coach, but he decided yes. to to give the pros uh, give try to give it the old college try in the pros, and it didn't work at all. Uh, obviously, the failings uh, of Urban Meyer uh, on and off the field were well documented, um, and I'll have an award for him a little later on. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but the worst coach of the year, uh, it's kind of hard to argue. And there's some really bad coaches. There's a lot of choices, like I said. But it's hard to argue when you're so bad that you get fired before you complete your first season uh, in the NFL. So Urban Meyer, definitely my worst coach of the year. Yeah, not not an award uh, that you won. And uh, he all the things, I mean, that he did. You know, And this is a season where we had the stuff with Gruden. I mean, but again, it wasn't bad coaching necessarily that got him fired. They were actually pretty good <laughs> when he got yeah. canned. But you just think of all the, the weird things and the drama and, 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 and all the bad coaching this year, especially for that non-Super Bowl division. How many bad coaching moves and decisions and, and just just crazy things that happened this year. Um, yeah, Urban Meyer earned every bit of that for on and off the field. And to contributing to my drizzling shits player of Trevor Lawrence, how do you have a, a guy that talented yeah. and he never seemed to grow as a quarterback as the season went on ever? Correct. Every game is just the same, just stagnant and no. You, you read all those stats: no third down conversions and and no yards per per play in the air. Just nothing. Just over and over and over again. Yeah. Nothing happening. No well, and, and how many? How many times have you seen a guy like Urban Meyer get the, the, the kiss of death, the, the vote of confidence? He didn't even get that from Shaq Khan. He got the, you need to be a better human being from his owner. Um, yeah, that's kind of hard to, to, to swallow when you got your owner basically saying, you suck. <laughs> yeah. So hey, I don't. I don't know where you go oh. from there. Because how do you not get fired right then and there? That's the question, really, to ask there. But yeah, and, and everything that you would see in the media, in, a, in the in the news, would say the team hated him. Players didn't respect him. You know, it, it was basically the the college coach, the big time, the big time college coach jumping to the NFL fails way more than it ever succeeds. Way more. But this and, was even uh, more of a failure than I excited. think people. Well, you did. Did you even bring up the Tebow thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, this is just the gift that keeps on giving. I'm actually sad he's gone. God. Uh, yeah, just yet another example of why Urban Meyer was not fit for this job from from beginning to end. Like he, he yeah, he brings in Tebow in the in training camp and treats him like he's gonna have a chance to make the team as a tight end, even though he hasn't played in the NFL in however how many years. Um, just a, a complete joke. The whole thing was a was a was a disaster, and we kind of knew it would be a disaster. We just didn't know it was gonna be this big, this quick of a disaster. So good job out of you. Uh, you mentioned John Gruden. Uh, he's a Super Bowl winner. So that would make him eligible for worst coach of the year amongst the Super Bowl winning coaches, except you correctly pointed out the Raiders weren't bad. Like, they were actually respectable. They were good. (laughs) For the first time. better. 
for the first time maybe in his entire Raiders tenure, they actually started the season decent and had it looked like they had a good chance of making the playoffs, which, of course, ultimately they made the playoffs anyway. Um, so, no, I was not looking at him as my worst coach of the year amongst the Super Bowl winning coaches um, as as up and down as, as Mike Tomlin and the Steelers were and, and contenders for, for Heckle and Jide. I actually am going to give worst coach of the year among Super Bowl winning coaches to Pete Carroll because that outfit Ooh. just kept staying, speaking of stagnant and not showing any growth. Like everybody knows what your offense is going to do and you keep doing it and you don't change and you, you're resistant to change and you get almost angry and then, uh, you know, uppity at anybody that suggests that you should change, but everyone knows what's coming. And we talk about it every time we talked about the Seahawks. We talked about first down, run the ball, second down, run the ball, yep. third down, rust bomb. Like yeah, everyone... and, and late in the season, all we talked about with the Seahawks was look at those other three teams and those other three coaches and, the and then look West. at the Seahawks and go, yo, which one of these is not like the other? Right. Uh, it, it was uh, embarrassing to, to look at how much better on the field those offenses looked in, in that division uh, when you look at the Cardinals and the Rams and the 49ers and then you look at the Seahawks and uh, it, there, there's a reason you had them dead last and there's a reason why they finished dead last amongst those three teams. Three teams that all made the playoffs, three teams that all have bright futures, three teams that everyone is looking at those offenses and going, okay, I, I see what's going on and I like it and, and I want to see more. And then you look at the Seahawks, and this is why Russell Wilson keeps trying to quietly backdoor get a trade out of Seattle every year because he's sick of going through the same shit that, that we're sick of watching. So we all know it's it's rotten and bad and needs to change. And I think the only question now in the offseason is, will Pete Carroll change with him and will he step down? It doesn't sound yeah. like it yet, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Yeah, you know, and the way you started off giving that award, I thought for a moment you might give it to Sean Payton. He, again, they... He tried to. Yeah, <laughs> they they contended. They still contended, even they did. with the, they the, did. the terrible quarterback no, play. Pete Carroll, you know, as much as we want to crap on guys like Mike McCarthy and Mike Tomlin, and no, uh, you know, both of those teams made the playoffs. The, the, the Seahawks uh, were dead in the water pretty much all year long, and, and, and that offense is not good and it's just hey how 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 far can you get with just Russell Wilson running for his life I think they've they've reached their limit they they, they got you a title out very of it, far, we, you can't get very far with that when you have no defense right and yeah, Seattle matter. was at their best when they complemented that offense with oh yeah the best defense in football that, that definitely and, and when they don't have that, that's who the worst or one of the, the worst. The Legion of Room is yeah. not going to complement that offense. No. No, certainly so, not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a no, well so, deserved. Sean Payton, I'd, I'd definitely give a pass uh, similar to, to John Harbaugh. Like, it wasn't on that level yeah. of, of catastrophic injuries like the Ravens have, but <laughs> the fact is, Sean Payton took the time in the preseason to decide do I really want to put Taysom Tebow as my starting quarterback or not? And took much longer than it should have, but eventually came to the correct decision that no, Jameis Winston is an actual NFL quarterback, and that's who my starter is going to be. It wasn't Sean Payton's fault that Winston got his, his leg snapped right. or his knee blown out. Uh, 
So, no, I definitely give him a pass on that. We mentioned uh, Urban Meyer and that disaster uh, of a season or half season, whatever, uh, that he had. Uh, Urban Meyer gets my Hugh Hefner, Newt Rockney Player Coach Award because he tried to do both. He tried to be <laughs> the uh, the player or the player, however you want to call it, and the coach on and off the field. Uh, he, of course, wound, uh, winds down after week four. Uh, taking a loss in Cincinnati and decides that he needs to ditch his team, go back to Columbus, Ohio, uh, nearby Cincinnati, and hang out at his restaurant that he owns down there and relive the old college days uh, when he was leading Ohio State to uh, fame and glory. And he gets filmed uh, caressing a young dancing woman uh, in a club in his restaurant there. Uh, And by the way, that woman is not his wife. And the fact that he survived that after week yeah. four, I I, I kind of want to say that's a function of it's week four and Shad kind of just made that higher and he just didn't want to throw him away that early. But really, right then and there, you had to know. Like, it was pretty yeah. much over at that point. And like you we, already referenced that Shad kind of was uh, responding to yeah. that by saying, dude, you suck as a human being and you need to get better. You could have given him the Gruden Grinder Award. <laughs> He was grinding, that's for sure. Or she was grinding on him, one of the two. Um, Yeah, I I don't know why uh, he he didn't get pretty much canned right then and there. Like I said, I really just think it was a a matter of Shad Khan wasn't ready to admit his mistake quite that early. So I think think that's all that was. Uh, But it was definitely a mistake. Uh, I referenced my Heckle and Jide Award. I understand it's Jekyll and Hyde, but we call it Heckle and Jide uh, after – the great uh, Chicago Bears Hall of Famer Dan Hampton, and he used to uh, call it Heckle and Jive because he got a little confused sometimes. So I still refer to it as Heckle and Jive, but it's my award for the player or team that just had no consistency and was just so up and down that you you could not figure heads or tails of them and it drove you crazy. And I'm going to give that to the Raiders. Like they had three or four seasons in one between the, the Gruden stuff uh, bringing in the new coach after that happened. Then you get a guy killing somebody and driving very drunk and get another guy threatening people on camera. And they, they go on a losing streak and then they go on a winning streak. They, they get a little bump after the new coach came in and they went back down and they looked like they were completely dead and out of the picture altogether. But then they battle back and they get that last playoff or that, that last game uh, uh, to, to end the regular season to go to the playoffs uh, between them and the Chargers and that whole crazy-ass game, which was not a game of the year candidate, but had unbelievable drama because it was this close to ending in a tie and would have made all Steelers fans just have heart attacks, uh, but did not end in a tie. And somehow the Raiders came through all of that and and got the winning field goal and made the playoffs. So you talk about having a season for the books, uh, as I said, there are going to be books written about that season that the Raiders just yep. had, and it, it probably won't even cover half of what actually happened there. And they competed in the playoff game. They did. Yeah, they were they were right they, there with they, the they, with the Bengals. They gave the Bengals all they could handle. They absolutely did. My Kerry Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award, which is uh, named after the young woman in Wisconsin that broke my heart uh, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Oh, my God, it's been that long. Oh, my. oh how time flies. 
the team that broke my heart is usually it's the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl and winds up not even making the playoffs and just completely shit in the bed. Well, that didn't quite happen this year because I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and they came very close. They were beating the hell out of the, out of the Bengals in the first half last week, and then they just uh, ran completely out of juice. And, and so that's a that's sort of heartbreaking, but it's more along the lines of what what the fuck was that? What uh, Why did you guys just die in the second half like that? Um, so I won't give it to them. And then the other team to uh, in the uh, NFC to make the Super Bowl actually did it. So congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. They actually got one of those right. Uh, so they actually are there. Uh, my heartbreak team, I'm going to give it to the Colts. Uh, they, just, oh. they are so close. Oh. All you got to do is beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in the last game of the season, and you're in. You're golden. You make the playoffs. And then Carson Wentz happened. And Wentz is going to wince. We, we we covered that all year. Just you cannot rely on these guys. Some of these, these teams had guys that you just knew if you put the ball in their hands one too many times, it, it wasn't going to go well for you. And that was the, the quintessential Carson Wentz game because he was bad from jump. He, was, he wasn't providing leadership. He wasn't playing well like – the team really needed him at that point to take over and say, okay, this is what we got to do. And I'm going to lead us to the promised land. I'm going to do what we, and he just never, he never did it. That, that not only did they lose to the Jaguars in week 18, but it wasn't close. Like they were out of that game very early. And it, that, that that's just heartbreak because they had a guy in Jonathan Taylor that I don't think I have any awards for him either, but he deserves uh, some flowers and some recognition, just an, an unbelievable season for him took over, uh, as the rushing leader after Derrick Henry got hurt and really had the Colts on his back for this, the whole second half of the season um, and, and just couldn't carry him over the finish line at the end. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I wanted to see the Colts make it. I, I think they would have been a much better playoff team than, than the uh, – probably than the Raiders uh, and probably than the Steelers uh, as well. Um, either, yeah. either one of those teams that could have taken their place. Um yeah, they 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 were so close. They were right there, and, and they broke everybody's heart by by not beating the Jaguars. Ugh. Well, it, this game is sort of tangentially connected to our other awards with uh, Trevor Lawrence because this was the game we keep talking about. This was the, the best one game he had. This was it. <laughs> like, why did you decide to play well now? All those other games. How impactful, though, the Jags would be on the season, beating the Colts, beating the Bills, right? Because that changed home field. I mean, I told I, you know, the Jags are the the best one number one pick in the draft team ever. <laughs> and then they're going to they get it again. They impacted the playoffs more than any other non-playoff team. Right Isn't that there. crazy? The Jags. Yeah, that team. Yeah, and and and, and, and that coach for half coach a year. Of the year. Yeah, drizzling shits, worst <laughs> rookie of the year, and here they are breaking your heart. <laughs> the the Jaguars, man, I, I didn't realize. <laughs> Who knew? They're secretly yeah. great. <laughs> I, I told you, folks, we're giving out all the flowers, even the dead flowers, or we're giving out everything. Uh, and the Jaguars deserve uh, all the dead flowers uh, that they're getting tonight. That's for sure. Uh, so I mentioned uh, the uh, the Colts. I've uh, talked about the 49ers, uh, Coach of the Year, despite having a quarterback that they don't believe in. 
my Bitcoin doomed to fail award uh, is going to go to those teams that it just felt like had to win and had to play around their quarterbacks, had to, despite their, their quarterbacks, that it was amazing how many of these teams had to try to find success, even though you knew if they put too much trust in their quarterback, it was going to go bad. The Minnesota Vikings, you cannot trust Kirk Cousins very much. Uh, it's going to fail ultimately in the end. The 49ers and, and, and uh, Janine Garofalo, you know you can't trust him. Uh, and he showed you at the end of that playoff game last week, right up, playing decent, trying to find a way right up until the end, and you, you knew he was going to do what he was going to do in the end. That, that, was, that last drive was destined to end in an, in an INT. The Tennessee Titans and and Ryan Tannehill, you cannot trust the Tanny Show. We've seen the Tanny Show in Miami. It got canceled for a reason, and we saw that in their playoff game, obviously. The Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, dude, uh, they, they just keep trying to, to coach around him, and they keep acting like they're going to give him the big extension and make him the franchise quarterback, even though, in my opinion, he keeps showing you reasons that you do not want to make him your franchise quarterback, uh, and the Colts uh, with, with Carson Wentz. And, and, again, we called that what it was when they first signed him, that that's just a reclamation project. That's a coach in, in Frank Reich that's familiar with him, that's one with him, and said, hey, no one else wants you. Come on in here. Let's see what you got, and, and we'll, see, we'll try to make it work and see uh, what happens. And that's what happened, that Jacksonville Jaguars game, uh, again, in week 18, because Wentz eventually is going to win. And so hopefully uh, that's the last time I mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars. Were, were they 16, 16 and a half point favorites? Oh my God. Or, or 17, something. It was, uh, it, it was, was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. And they lost straight up and it wasn't close. No, they lost bad. Didn't even compete. Unbelievable. Uh, my next award will be the commitment to mid award. Just committed to being just right there in the middle, committed to being mediocre. The Cleveland Browns and Coach Kevin Stefanski <laughs> chose to start Baker Mayfield all season long with a broken bone in his shoulder and a torn leg from. Like, why would you not want to sit him down at any point? I think it's only because they're they knew they were you know, if you sit him down and put anybody else in there, uh, whether it's Case Keenum or whatever, and they play better than Baker Mayfield. Now you got the quarterback controversy. Now you got people going, oh, what about this other guy? Maybe Baker isn't the answer. Oh, maybe we need to go uh, in a different direction. Uh, and I think that was just fear of not wanting to deal with that that drama and and the backlash. Dude, your quarterback has a broken bone in his back. Why are you playing? Why do you keep sitting him out there? And the, the returns were diminishing as the year went on. Every game, uh, he was a little less effective and a little less effective. Basically, by the end, they were trying to hand the ball off 50 times and, and asking him to throw like five times and hoping uh, that they were going to yeah. get away and, and win games. And, and, of course, as soon as they get eliminated from playoff contention and they play in week 18 and they just say, okay, go ahead, Baker, leave and, and get your surgery and don't let the door hit you on the way out. And they give Case Keenum the start. Of course he wins. Of course. Uh, I, I, I think of that, Green won some Bay of game, games, that Green Bay game where Nick Chubb was just owning the Packers' run D the whole game, and then Baker Mayfield throws like four picks. Yeah. yeah it was, 
he was obviously ineffective. Whatever you think of him as a, as a quarterback, and I don't think highly at all, but yeah, he, he's he's had some moments, but objectively, you have to look at it and go, that guy is hurt, yeah. and he, he's probably hurting the team, and they probably need to put the backup in and just see, you know, if it's going to go any better. But and, and we've never been. We, we we haven't been on Baker even all the way back to when he was drafted. I don't think either one of us were ever very high on him. And mm-hmm. it's never really shown through on the field. And that is a team that has a, a good defense and is loaded at skill positions on offense and underachieve at the level that they do. It's kind of mind-blowing. In a winnable division. You got to look at that, that QB position. You got to look at QB1. Yeah. There's really no other answer. I mean, uh, and it, yeah. Put, take don't take him off it. that team. Re- replace him, you know, with anybody league average. The random Allen. Not even a random Allen. I, I mean, just league average. Because Baker, to me, does not fall into that, that league average level. And swap him no. and Joe Burrow. Browns are, oh. Browns are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, that would be a loaded team, that's for sure, yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's what's sad is that's the piece that's missing. And it's, this isn't like the Vikings, right? Their defense is not good. Or, or you know, or, or the Colts, who, yeah, you know, Carson Wentz, yeah, he's not the guy, but that's not a team that's loaded. They have a great running back and one good receiver. But that, you know, and they, it's solid. That, that, that's not a loaded team. It's a good team. The Browns are loaded, and they're being held back by their quarterback. So I completely no, agree with that award. No, no doubt. Uh, quarterbacks committed to to mid and, and organizations committed to being mid. The one size fits none award goes to Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears, who in week three at Cleveland decided to start Justin Fields because his QB one Andy Dalton was hurt, and yeah. he didn't seem to create a game plan any different from QB one Andy Dalton. Like he took advantage of none of the the skill set of Justin Fields, and as a result, Fields got sacked nine times and took fifteen quarterback hits. As I say, he took advantage of one of Justin Fields' abilities, and that is to get destroyed and get back up. That's not what they drafted him to do. I don't think. Oh, I don't. Oh. <laughs> don't believe yeah, that's why I, they drafted him. I was on record saying that should have been a Nick Foles game, and uh, I think that that twenty twenty hindsight is proving me right. But I don't understand the coaching. That, that why are you no. not even trying to use the skills that your guy has? Like it was all dropbacks and, and screens and uh, regular old quarterback play. There's nothing, uh, no bootleg, no uh, uh, quarterback draws, no uh, RPO, nothing uh, to, to take advantage of what you have out there. In, instead, it was basically taking this, this square peg and trying to fit it into a round hole. And that's yeah. uh, one of many reasons why Matt Nagy did, and Ryan Pace are both did, gone. Did Nagy want fields? I don't know if he uh, was on record either way. I, 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 I can't imagine he didn't. I, I can't imagine he would have an object. He, he, if he had an objection, I don't think uh, Ryan Pace would have went that direction, especially trading up uh, to, yeah. to that spot to get fields. So, right. but at the same time, as I said, it felt like all year that Nagy was sort of slow playing and, and not putting as, as many plays in as he could and not making Justin Fields look his best. 
almost on purpose, as, as if he could turn back to, to old lady Virginia uh, McCaskey and say, hey, the kid's not ready yet. He's just, you know, he's got to learn more of my system uh, before I can really trust him fully. So you got to bring me back for another year because this is, you know, it's not fair to fire me. And, and Virginia finally was like, no, fuck you. Get out. It's 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 enough. So I knew I'm glad she saw that. In there somewhere for your bears. Had to. Absolutely had to. The uh, Leaving Las Vegas Award, part one, goes to Raiders coach John Gruden, who had to step down after week five uh, after a series of dumb, racist, misogynist, homophobic emails that he wrote 10 years ago were revealed as part of the investigation into the potato skins and the way that that terrible-ass organization is You mean the commanders? (laughs) Uh, The comms, uh, the commies. Uh, Uh, I'm just... I, I might just go back to calling them Redskins. That's a dumb name. <laughs> I, I was on the same level as you. I was like, I, I might just call them Potato Skins all next year. Again, <laughs> commanders. Go back to football team. That was better. <laughs> there were a ton of tweets in support of football team after Commanders was, was shown as the new name. I, I don't remember uh, that much love at all for the, the football team because that was such a dumbass generic name. Was, and then joke it was funny now that now that commanders has come out there's so many people like you know i love football team i I don't know why they didn't stay with that Uh, but yeah commanders is is pretty bad now so john gruden had to leave uh after that that bit of business um starting a, a crazy ass year for the uh the organization after week five Leaving Las Vegas part two goes to second year wide receiver Henry Ruggs, who's trying to speed away out of Las Vegas. Actually, I guess he's going to be in Vegas for however long. Uh, is, is, is the prison system he's in, is that in Vegas or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not up on the penitentiary status of, of Henry Ruggs. I didn't do my research. I apologize there. Uh, Henry Rugg was cut after he spent his bye weekend getting drunk and plowing into the back of a RAV4, setting it on fire and killing a woman inside along with her dog. Uh, what a legacy being built uh, in the Raiders' first year in Vegas, huh? Boy, <laughs> they they started off a, a ball of fire their first year there. It, did somebody um, just get popped a couple days ago in Vegas for something? Uh, was that um, uh, the Alvin Kamara fight? Yes, he, uh, he he got into a fight in a club after uh, after the yeah. Pro Bowl and then gets, uh, gets hit with a battery charge. Yeah, it's a Man. serious one apparently, and they got they got receipts, they got tape of the fight. Maybe, so maybe going to Vegas wasn't the best idea for for the NFL. Uh, you know, money talks. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it was a good idea or not, they're there and, and they're not going anywhere, and they're going to stay. But these guys are leaving. Uh, John Gruden had to leave, and Henry Ruggs also uh, had to leave the team. Leaving Las Vegas, part three, they're not done. Damon Arnett, the quarterback, yeah. uh, was cut after video emerges of him uh, brandishing a weapon and threatening to kill people, which that, that almost seems light. Like, all he did was get cut from the team. Like, shouldn't, like, the FBI be investigating that's, that's him? So, that's so 2014. <laughs> That's nothing. Come on. That's uh, you know, especially after you know another guy killed somebody. Uh, the, the coach uh, had all these terrible racist emails. All you did was was throw a weapon around in a in a camera and in a video and threaten someone. That that that's nothing. Come on. 
Uh, so he, he went to Kansas City for a very brief time, right? And then they already got rid of him. <laughs> yeah, they cut him too. <laughs> yeah, they, the, the, the character uh, clause. They, they took a chance and they found out he's got the same bad character that he had uh, with, with Las Vegas. So that's, Man, that, and Mike Mayock loved his character, guys. Uh-huh. See how that worked. Uh, I had the uh, the diarrhea of the, of the mouth award uh, scheduled next after that, but I already gave that away. Uh, I, I love making things personal. I love bringing up uh, old relationships and, and old names, or whatever. So I'm really going to throw back uh, for you here the Jamie Robinson One Night Stand Award, uh, named after my high school girlfriend, who you remember very well, I'm sure. Uh, goes to Cam Newton. We talked about him a little bit. Uh, week 10 at Arizona. It scored twice, as you said. Came in. Uh, you know, Two plays worth. That's all he had. That's all he had to learn. So it's a good idea at the time. You get, you get the new – you know, bring him in. He's, he's not the new guy. He's the old guy. But you bring him in and see if he can provide a spark. And he provided a little bit of a spark and got named the starter very briefly. And about three or four weeks later, he was already benched. And that was the end of that. Uh, reminding me of my one night stand with my high school girlfriend six years after we broke up. Uh, sounded like a good idea at the time, and then not so much. So, you know, you, you do these things, and they, they feel good, and you think that maybe, you know, we're on our way. Maybe there's a, a reconciliation. Maybe we can uh, fire things back up and, and get things together again. That didn't go so well for the Panthers and, and Cam Newton. So sometimes you should leave things uh, in the past. I think we all have, have learned that lesson uh, in our in our lives before. The uh, all-time Google research champ, of course, is going to be your guy up there in Wisconsin, Karen Rogers. He decided after uh, consulting Joe Rogan and doing some independent thinking that he uh, would do some alternative treatment and declare himself, quote-unquote, immunized uh, from getting COVID-19, which was false, because he got COVID-19. So obviously, he wasn't immunized. Then he spit out a, a word salad of BS when he got called on it. This is what you were kind of referring to, that it just kept going on and on. Like, if you just take the uh, the criticism and move on, it's fine. Right, but take the L. He, just take yeah. the L. Take the L. Just take your 10 days and go away. Couldn't do it. Had to come back and talk about cancel culture and, and woke mob and just threw out all the BS statements that he could possibly think of trying to defend himself and it, it, all it is is just completely trashing your own reputation and making people think less of you every time you open your mouth so please for the love of god aaron Rodgers, take, take a take a five and go chill somewhere else and, and don't don't talk for a while i think everybody would be much better off for that uh the rasheed wallace evil eye award goes to Chicago Bears linebacker Cassius Marsh, who in week nine at Pittsburgh made a big third down play and yeah. stared at the Pittsburgh sideline. You're looking at me. Stop looking at me. Uh, and it drew a taunting flag. What did he do to draw a taunting flag? Like I said, he, he stared. He looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers sideline. He used to play for the Steelers. He uh, made a big play and he felt good about it. And he decided to look at them for a while before, yeah. he, before he went off the field. And for that, he got flagged uh, for, for taunting by referee Tony Carrente. All he did was look at the other team. That's bad enough. Then the league fined him for it at the end of the week as well. Like, Ugh. that is not what you're supposed to be doing. That We, we kind of all know why that rule got put in about the taunting, that the, the owners got sick of seeing all these jacked-up black guys run around and talk trash to each other after making big plays. They got sick of watching that. Okay, fine. 
this is not it. This is not the point of the rule is to take a, a kid, uh, a white kid that just barely made the team is making a uh, uh, league minimum uh, and, and find him and flag him for looking at the sideline of the other. That's not it. Whatever your motivation, whatever the reason for this new taunting rule, that's not the point at all. So they, they lost the, the, the point on that. They lost the plot real quick on that taunting rule, which I was never a fan of it anyway, because I think you should let the guys express themselves, What you know, short of throwing middle fingers up at everybody. Just let them <laughs> have fun and do what they want to do. And, and now, and not just that, that ended up extending the the Steelers' like winning drive, didn't it? Yeah, because they brought him back on the field. Yeah, because the Bears were winning that game. That was a third down play. Yeah, and they made the play. They're going off the field, but because Marsh looked a little too long at the Steelers, they say, "Oh, yeah. fifteen yards." Automatic. Yeah, that was a minor. That was minorly controversial when it happened. So I'm glad. I'm glad you remembered that one because that's one of those that's easy to forget. Um, oh. But yeah, I know you're a Bear fan, but still, you know that was that was bogus, and it highlighted one of those rules of emphasis. Yeah, that was one. I'm pretty sure I would have remembered even if it wasn't the Bears, because that was just ridiculous. I'm just yeah. I'm watching it happen. Like, stop it! <laughs> stop looking at me. Very briefly, we uh, we name it that because we remember Rasheed Wallace famously being ejected from an NBA game for looking at a referee too long. Well, he was looking at him menacingly. But he's but black. Still, he's going to look at you. That's what he does. He, he can't help but looking at you menacingly is what, you know, that's what we're all accused yeah, of. Yeah, I, I think Rasheed Wallace looks at everybody menacingly. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like that's that's the only way he can look. He can't, but still, he can't yeah, look any other not, way. You should you shouldn't be getting teed up for for looking at somebody. Uh, go a little over our uh, two hour live portion. What uh, shocker! What that's a shocker! Stunning. Uh, so whatever uh, awards uh, that I don't give out live, you can catch them on our after show, which, of course, there's many places you can go to listen to our after show. Any place that has our fine podcast, uh, Apple iTunes, um, and, and many other different places as well. Uh, so move on. I, I got a few more left. I, I don't have too many more. The Senility Sucks Award goes to Arizona Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green, who in week eight against uh, Green Bay on a Thursday night game had the game-winning touchdown thrown at him perfectly back shoulder by Kyler Murray, uh, but he forgot to do one small thing. He forgot to catch the ball. He forgot to put his hands up. And catch the damn thing, and it I flies think he by to him. Turn around. He, I think he might have turned or started to turn, and he just didn't put his hands up at all. He was that like, was Russ, the... Russell, Russell Douglas uh, starting his his uh, meteoric rise to Packers fame. The game winning INT for Russell Douglas, which just I, I, again the ball was right there. All you do is stick your hands out and catch it. Uh, and Green uh, failed to do that. You know, the old age, it, it gets to all of us. It, you know, it happens. Uh, yeah, that was that was incredible. I, I, I was so I, – I'm pretty sure I must have had the Cardinals uh, in that game because I remember being very upset <laughs> uh, at that play. Like, dude, just yeah, put I, your hands I, out I, and I catch it. I got to tell you, here in the state of Wisconsin, I don't know who is a bigger folk hero in this state now. Uh, if it, if it's Russell Douglas or Bobby Portis, I, I, I'm i having a hard time figuring out who's the bigger folk hero in this state right now. Yeah, the former Bull. 
Haven't quite they love, Bo- they love Bobby Portis. You talk about you talk about somebody who's grindy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love Bucks him too. Fans, they love him. The, the home crowd just 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 loves him. Yep. Uh, all right, our live show coming to an end now. Thank you all for joining us and join, again listen on the after show for the rest of the awards. Uh, so Ponce de Leon Man of the Year Award. Get your barf bag. I'm going to give Tommy his flowers once again. Unbelievable. Fountain of youth. Again, 5,316 yards. Led the league. 43 touchdowns. Led the league. 102.1 passer rating. I think that led the league. I I forgot to look that up. Uh, 312.7 yards per game. Led the league. 485 completions. Led the league. 719 attempts. Led the league. All at the age of 44, uh, oh, yeah, and let a comeback down 27-3 to in the playoffs. And his last drive uh, as a pro in the playoffs, touchdown drive to tie the game. Just like Josh Allen, last thing he did was lead a touchdown drive. Nothing else he could do to win that game. Uh, Rams having to come back uh, thanks to Cooper Cup uh, and get the field goal to, to walk it off uh, in the playoff game. But Tommy, unbelievable. And, and – we, we of course, are not the biggest Tom Brady fans. Uh, you very famously use that S word when, when talking about Tommy, uh, that he's a uh, great system quarterback, greatest the greatest system quarterback system, ever. The, the, the gasot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, greatest system QB of all time. Uh, look, I, I still, you know, I, I I still say that the the quarterback with the greatest command of his offense that I ever saw was Peyton Manning, and I'm I don't know if I'm ever going to come off of that, but I I, I got to admit, how can you possibly deny Tom Brady a medical marvel, a miracle that he kept doing what he was doing uh, at that advanced age, getting almost better it seemed like as as he aged. Um, it didn't make any damn sense. And I think we all know if he came back next year, he would probably have a similar level of success. He just, he, there's a way that he does things, whether, you know, through his preparation, through the, the game plans, through the, uh, the quick passes, the, you know, the system. That allows him to be great. If he was, Trying to drop back like uh, Justin Herbert and throw you know seventy yards every throw, he wouldn't last very long. He, it, it would it would get ugly very quickly. But he knows what he's best at, and he knows how to best execute it, and it, it obviously works. Again, the best in the league at, at, at passing, number one at the age of forty four, going to walk out on top and, and could do it again next year if he wanted to. So. Uh, all credit and all praise to, to Tom Brady for an, an unbelievable run and, and, and an incredible second half of his uh, of his career. The first half, eh, not so much. Second half, awesome. Well, well, since we are in the after show, we can play a quick game here. Uh, Tom Brady finished behind six other quarterbacks in quarterback rating this year. Can you okay. name them? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I, I got to go with Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And number one. Ding! Yeah. It was like family feud. <laughs> number one, number one on answer. The board All right. Was it number one answer? <laughs> was Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I, I, I don't have to guess the others because I want the, the the number one guy. Uh, top five passer ratings. 
probably all guys that I should know or get right of. Was, was Herbert in that top five? No. No. Uh, uh, Herbert was 11th in mm. quarterback rating. Um, I, I would want to guess Stafford because he had uh, yes. so many yards. Imagine <laughs> uh, Stafford was number six. So you've got uh, number one and number six off the board. Hmm. And two, three, four, and five are, are still on the board. These are guys all who had higher quarterback ratings than Tom Brady. Because I'm trying to take those teams that win despite their quarterbacks. Uh, try, I'm trying to eliminate all of them, but but one of them might have snuck in. I'm not. I'm not sure. That's what makes this uh, difficult for me. Um, <sighs> yeah, like what you know, all the the plays and all the stuff that that Shanahan drew up for for Jimmy G. Did Jimmy G. make that? Uh, no. Jimmy G nope. is ninth on the list. So it's mm. after Tom Brady uh, is eighth, and then ninth is Jimmy G. Then tenth, then eleventh was Herbert. So so far you've gotten number one. You got that easy. Uh, of course, eleven point nine was Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford at one hundred two point nine was number and six. Where, well, where was the, the new Joe Cool, uh, Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow, ding number two. <laughs> Wow. On the board, the number two answer, Joe Burrow, 108.3. There you go. Here, I'll round this out for you. I don't want to keep you guessing too much because you'll throw up in your mouth a little bit. <laughs> back. Back time. Number oh. three. <laughs> That's what everybody in the cloud goes, back. Uh. Right, like in Family Feud, you know. Uh, number four, Russell Wilson. Ooh. Running for his life, right? Yeah. And number five, you guessed it. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> One of those quarterbacks that try to win uh, despite him and not because of Okay, Kirk Cousins, 100. Kirk Cousins, you know, I talked about this early in the season, the hell of a season that Kirk Cousins had. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. 103.1 quarterback rating, 4,221 yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven picks. Nice. That's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And he's home for the playoffs. And but you that's agree. a hell of a season. Uh, oh no, no doubt. Yeah, give give Kirk his flowers. Uh, but you do agree with me that he does that almost you know despite himself. Like you you know if they they try to rely too much on the passing game, it's going to go sour. He's going to wind up throwing really bad interceptions and making really bad decisions. Uh, so they're fine uh, in Minnesota so long as they can keep the offense balanced. They kept Dalvin Cook on the field for. Most of the year, not all. I know yeah. he was hurt for for some games. Um, so yeah, as long as as they got Dalvin Cook on one side, they can balance that that thing out and let Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, throw twenty five, thirty times and not yeah. get him up into forty and forty five, which is you know the kiss of death. Uh, and yeah, I think they didn't make the playoffs not because the offense was struggling, but it was that defense that was the problem with them. Well, I'll just give it to you for posterity. Here's the bottom five rated quarterbacks um, oh. in the league this year. Uh, should I go from the bottom up or from the fifth worst to the worst? How would you prefer this list? Uh, I'd almost want to take the, the guess at, at them. I want to see how many of those rookies uh, were, were down the on the bottom, bottom there. Five, the, the five worst rated quarterbacks all had a quarterback rating between 55.6 
Jesus. You know what? Lawrence yeah. was seventy one point nine. He wasn't even in that list. Uh yeah, so so if we're going in reverse order, Trevor Lawrence is the number two answer. Uh he was the second worst rated quarterback in the league this year. Well, I'm looking at a different stat then. I thought his rating was seventy one nine. Uh oh, wait, yeah, seventy one nine. Sorry, I was looking at quarter uh completion percentage. Worst rated oh, okay. quarterbacks were between 69.7 and 83.1. I haven't ranked oh. properly. I was just looking at the wrong column. I see. So, okay. Yes. So, yeah, so he did make it. Second worst rated quarter, actually tied for second worst at 71.9. And, and, and the other rookie, Zach Wilson, is in that mix somewhere? He was the number one answer. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So there's your top two on the board, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's still got three left. Um, are the were the other three starters for at least most of the year? Or are we yes. talking? Uh, okay, uh, so yes. uh, Taysom Tebow is this part of that? Uh, no, I don't believe he is on the list of qualifiers. Oh, that's right, because he wasn't starting the first half. Didn't start either. enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he would have been if, if he. It's if still he a bad start. list. Don't worry. Even without <laughs> Taysom Tebow. It's still a bad list, and none of the Saints' quarterbacks actually qualify on this list. So, oh, okay, yeah, they, yeah, they had their their injury woes. Um, ooh, I, I'm curious now, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I, I talk about how terrible uh, Jalen Hurts was throwing at times. Was he part of that? Uh, no, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't high on the list but he wasn't the yeah. worst. Actually, he was is in the bottom half of the list, sandwiched in between below him, Lamar Jackson, and just above him, your boy, General Mills. <laughs> General Mills with an 88.8 so, quarterback rating. So those three, three more guys, and they were starters. Oh, when, when, yeah. Uh, when, when, when I don't get them, I'm going to be so mad. Tua was terrible. How, how bad was he? Uh, nope. Wow. Tua was just above General Mills and Ryan Tannehill. Oh, wow. And just below Matt Ryan. So Tua just just slightly lower than average. Uh, how about Beer Man? Uh, oh, seventh worst. Oh, just missed. Just missed the top five. So I'll, I'll round out the top five here for you. Yeah. Third worst. Sam Darnold. Oh. <laughs> Fourth worst, than Fields. Oh, man. Sorry, 73.2 quarterback rating in 12 starts. And fifth worst, to your point, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, let's give him all the money. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. We talk about Kirk Cousins. He's top five. Yeah. That's not, you know, having a great year. And there's Baker, fifth worst. Yeah, I, I still feel like they're in the same general category of you don't want to rely on them too much, but it's just some yeah. teams make better use of their other right. weapons and some teams don't. Um, yeah. And I think I, the Browns could have I, made better use of. Uh, I don't and, want to and be also, like crazy controversial here, but if Kirk Cousins is the Cleveland Browns quarterback, they probably make the playoffs. No, that's not controversial. Uh, and I was going to bring up, and we can't throw out the fact that the man had a broken back. Like, well, I don't true. know. 
how much better Baker would have been, but the man was trying to play through a broken back. And his team and his coaches needed to recognize that and say, okay, you're, you're tough. We get it. They right. go sit down somewhere. We we gotta we gotta do something else because this isn't working. Like you're not helping us right now. Like, I believe Billy Joel once said, "If you can't play quarterback with a broken back, at least you can polish the fenders." Um. Okay. It's from a song, but oh. not the quarterback part. But ah. I, I, I just I, did a I just did a Chris Berman. <laughs> No, that would be a Huey Lewis reference if it was Chris Burns. Or, or Eagles. That would be no. That would be a, an Eagles yeah. reference. Yeah, that too. Yeah. No, you 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 got me on that one. Uh, you, I'm I'm uh, any Billy Joel references are going to go over my head. I'm not uh, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, I, I don't hate him. I just I'm just I'm not that familiar with his work. Now, so that that we're even now because last week I believe I brought up a uh, a Fifty Cent reference and you. Know, you <laughs> You're not very familiar with his work either, so we we got each other on that. So that's that's that, is, that evens things out there. All right. Uh, I only have a few more left. I'm trying to figure out where I was. Uh, Figured we could do a diversion. It's the after show now, so we played our little oh. quarterback game because you know we're we're getting to the point where we're wrapping up the season. We're putting the bowl on it now. We've only really got one more. You know main football show plus then the Super Bowl recap. That's right. Heading heading into the off season. I'm uh very much looking forward to it just because it's cold down here for us, relatively cold. I'm not gonna complain about the cold to you because I know that would be fruitless. Um but we did have uh, uh an ice storm last week and, and did knock out a lot of people's power so it was uh, kinda nasty for, for us down here. Um, and in a few weeks, I will be on a boat and in the Caribbean and not have to worry about this. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, one more big game uh, coming up next weekend. Um, all right, I figure out where I was uh, where I left off. Um, I left off at the uh, kicking the can around the universe award because this team is not kicking the can down the block or down the interstate. They're kicking it all around the world and all around the solar system. The Houston Texans decided that the way to handle uh, their quarterback, Deshaun Watson's 22 allegations of sexual assault, is to just deactivate him every game. We're not going to cut him. We're not going to get rid of him. We're not going to trade him. We're just not going to play him. We're going to not have him practice all week, and then every Sunday right before the game, we're going to put him on the uh, deactivated list as if there was a chance we were going to activate them and play them, which everyone knew we weren't going to do. I, we, we never, I don't think we really talked about that decision specifically. Uh, what, what, what's your opinion on how the Houston Texans handled the Deshaun Watson? And if you were the general manager of the Houston Texans, what would you have done with them? I, I understand that they were, they're, they're trying to play both sides because they wanted to see how everything was going to kind of like play out. Right? What was the league going to do? How were any of these suits going to play? And, and basically nothing happened. So they just kept hanging on to him and hanging on to him. And they, they, they still think they're going to get something for him. But at the end of the day, they still don't know what's going to come out of all of these suits and what's the league going to do. So nobody is any farther along with, with Deshaun Watson than they were a year ago. Right. It was just it, it, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence in a nothing season. That was Deshaun Watson and the Texans. 
They're going to get a great Lawrence draft played. pick. No, I mean, it's like, that's yeah, what I mean. I that tells you how nothing his season was. There's as many Deshaun Watson highlights as there were Trevor Lawrence highlights. <laughs> but he, he didn't play at all. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I would not have made that decision. I I, I guess I understand why. They didn't him and get nothing. Yeah. But it, the, re- the, the reason to keep him on the team is because you think he can still help you. You think you just can play still him. use him. So just, just play, play him. him. Just play <laughs> Exactly. Just let him play. Uh, I just made the, the argument uh, discussing somebody else a, a couple of shows ago. I don't remember who, but, uh, again, I'm the guy. Like, I don't care if you raped somebody. I don't care if you murdered somebody. If you can help me win, I'm playing you because I have to win in order to keep my job. So I, I'm going to play. And if I can't play you, we you got to go. Like, I can't just have you on the roster and just taking up space and I'm, and I'm paying you and you're just not playing. Like, that's 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 a non-answer to me because you keep him around because you think he can help you win. If you don't keep him around or if you think that what he did or what he's accused of doing is so awful, and, and if you think that, that's fine. I understand that, obviously. Um but then you don't have any right to to claim that high ground when if you do trade him or, or cut him or whatever a year later. Like you, the, the Texans, I think are key, are are. I know why they're keeping him because they think they can uh, get a great uh, haul trade wise for him once all these issues get cleared up. But to keep him off the field, the Texans are trying to take that that high ground of. What he's accused of doing is so heinous, we can't play him because he's such a terrible guy. And he's, but you still have him on your team. You, you, you can't claim both. You can't do that. You can't say that it's such a terrible thing that he's accused of doing. Uh, and we're the organization that we're not going to take that. We're not going to stand for that. We're better than that. We're above that. We, we love women, and we, we believe in women's rights. And we, we're going to – you know you, you can't play that card anymore because you kept the fucker on your team for a whole year after all these allegations. So obviously you don't have that much of a problem with it. Right. Um, but then you don't play them. Now you're just hurting, now you're just hurting yourself because you're taking a, a pro bowl caliber quarterback in his mid twenties in, in the prime of his freaking career uh, and deactivating him every single game because you don't want to handle the heat of what if we played him and, and got the bad PR. So right. that, that's or, to, to me, what if we cut him decision. and then somebody gets him for nothing and, he, and, he's, and, he, and they play him, and he's good. Yeah, but if you really, you know, like I said, if you really think what he did was that terrible and egregious, and you can't have him on your team, you can't have him on your team. You, you don't worry about what he does after that. So, but but they can't play that that card anymore. They can't take that high ground because they kept him the, the whole time anyway. So obviously, what he did wasn't that bad. But but they never. That, but I don't think they kept him with the intent to ever play him. No, I, I I agree with that, uh, but I think the reason they don't play him is because they're trying to play that that role of we're the organization that's not going to tolerate this and we're not going to take our our guy doing that. But 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 he's still there and you're still paying him. So you know that that's the, the it, thing, it, they did the exact yeah the whole thing. the whole thing the whole thing was a mess. And it's the Houston Texans, and they're 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 a mess. Speaking of. Uh, uh, coaching uh, decisions and, and hirings. Uh, we, we talked about New Orleans a little bit earlier with Dennis Allen. The Houston Texans, for some reason, have decided that Lovey Smith needs to be their answer. I, I saw that. 
Um, what? what? Huh? I. So you, you're gonna bring in David Cullen for one they're year? They're gonna get off the bus running. <laughs> and Rex is our quarterback. I, Rex Grossman needs to be warming up and getting ready for a, for a comeback, I guess. Um, so you're gonna. Uh, get rid of, of David Cully and decide that he's not the answer after one year. And, and you, you took, by the way, you took the franchise quarterback away from him for that one year and didn't play him at all. Yes. Then you're going to hire his defensive coordinator. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Uh, have you ever heard of them firing somebody, firing a coach and then hiring someone on his staff as his replacement? Cause that's weird. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I'm sure it's happened, but this is also the Texans. And yeah, uh, again, it's the Houston Texans. It's a All joke right, franchise. Enough, enough about the Houston Texans. Uh, the Cat Scratch Fever Award goes to our guys up in Detroit. Let's give some the love to the Detroit Lions, who went 11-6 and six against the spread this year. The Detroit <laughs> the freaking Lions. The ankle biters in Dan Campbell's first season. The kneecap biters, they... Got that cat scratch fever. Those lions will scratch your ass, and they will cover the spread. They won't win games, uh, but they will cover the number against you. So I just wanted to give a little love to the lions for making some people some some money. I didn't bet on them, but if you bet the lions, you profited. You made money betting the Detroit Lions this year. We we marveled at that all year. Like, how is this team covering all these spreads? I'm I'm just glad. They, they, that they won a few games because yeah, they did not that team was, that team did not deserve to be winless yeah or oh sixteen and one as, as it would have correct been. <laughs> I give got to give them that credit that, for that damn tie, tie. That, that damn, damn tie got the Steelers <laughs> in the playoffs damn it damn tie oh lord that that, that yeah we should have gave that a, that game an award that for damn sort tie of, award <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right, you're, you're coughing, and then I'm holding both of us back from. from I, I, well, you don't have to work. You don't work Tuesdays, right? Tomorrow I do not. No, tomorrow. Okay. I'm, I'm working, so I need to. This hurry is the up latest I've been up since the last time we did a show. Ah, no, that, that's what we do. We, we got to tell you, we, yeah, getting over this uh, virus is the most nights I'm in bed. At so yeah, it's, it's not fun. Takes no, a lot but I'm well rested for the show. Oh, that's good. Uh, the Rock Reigns Copyright Infringement Award. I don't even know if you remember this, but um, the the Rock Reigns Copyright Infringement is going to go to Tennessee Titans cornerback Janoris Jenkins. Uh, watching a lot of Titans football down here. Uh, most people don't know this because they didn't get a lot of national airtime. But Janoris Jenkins asked commentators and and broadcasters to refer to him as Jack Rabbit Jenkins uh, all year, complete with graphics and everything. Like his name on the screen when they put the 11 defenders up there, it would actually say Jack Rabbit Jenkins at, cor- at cornerback and not uh, Janoris Jenkins. Uh, very reminiscent of the – I was trying to figure the, out uh, who that was. Oh, you did see it. I did see it a few times, but I didn't know who the hell it was. I've never heard I thought it was a rookie. Right. <laughs> Who is Jack Rabbit? Good old Janoris Jenkins decided that he wanted to be named Jack Rabbit. So well, that's our him. unofficial name of the year uh, because I don't understand why you would want to do that. But 
we do have precedent because we're old enough to remember. Uh, like I said, I don't know if you remember, but I definitely remember uh, when when Tim Raines, the uh, Baseball Hall of Famer, uh, came over from the uh, Montreal Expos and went to the Chicago White Sox. He insisted that he needed to be announced as Rock Reigns. He was no longer Rock. Tim Reigns. He was now Rock Reigns, complete with the graphics on the screen. I still remember seeing it popping up on, on WGN. And I'm like, what the f- Rock Reigns? Why, why is he doing that? Um, I don't think that lasted more than a year because it was kind of silly. And uh, But it has happened before that somebody decided in the middle of the year that they now have uh, a nickname that they need to be referred to at all times. I guess we all have our uh, midlife crisis, and that was that was one of them. So Janora Jenkins is now Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Yeah, that's that was, that was Janora. I, I didn't know if you had seen that at all, but we, you know, again, seeing all the Titans games down here, that was every game. That every new crew that came in had to go over it again. Uh, this is Janora Jenkins. You may remember him, uh, former uh, New Orleans Saints cornerback, but uh, he's going by a new name this year, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, and you know, he had to explain the whole spiel or whatever so yeah uh, i don't know if that'll come back next year i think that hopefully that's a, a one-year deal so we'll see uh the uh the eric cartman award we, we've given given this away one time before to uh Vontae davis for deciding to just yes. walk off the field <laughs> and antonio brown decides antonio to, uh, brown <laughs> decides to make his way uh, to the going home. <laughs> um Let's see, week 17, uh, Tampa Bay at the New York Jets. This is the correct response when you're losing to the Jets is to decide that I've had enough and I'm just going to strip down all my clothes and walk off the field and not come back. I still don't know why he decided to do that, uh, but he decided that he just didn't want to play. There's been reports about it, that he had a bad ankle injury and was trying to play through it, and uh, Bruce Arias was insisting that he go in the game and he wasn't feeling like he could play anymore and there was an argument and Arian said well if you're not going to play then go ahead and, and and get out of here and he decided to take off all his clothes and screw you guys i'm going home so it's not quite Devonte davis he didn't retire right there on the spot but he kind of retired right there on the spot because i don't know who else uh would sign him after pulling a stunt like that although he is talented and he's still very good at football yeah. so if he showed up on another team next year, I wouldn't be surprised. The problem that he has is he's already been on the Patriots and the Raiders, so I don't know who's left. Uh, at that point, you're going to have to go to the to the dregs of the league, the you know the teams that have no talent at all, and they'll just take it, whoever they can get. So uh, you know, Jets, Texans, Jaguars. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got to go somewhere uh, where go. they can handle your garbage. So anywhere else, I mean, if he goes somewhere and they don't have a strong staff. I mean, if he doesn't go to like Baltimore, you know, he's gonna it seems be like he's trying to talk himself again. too. He, I think he's trying to talk himself into Baltimore. He's he's posted pictures with himself in in, in Ravens jerseys and gear and stuff. So I, I think he's trying to make that the next destination. I don't know how much of a stomach John Harbaugh has for that shit. So I, I don't know uh, if that's yeah. going to happen, or or how much stomach Antonio Brown would have playing for a quarterback who's good, you know, the first few weeks and then progressively gets worse as the season goes on. Yeah, any quarterback that doesn't target him all the time, he's probably going to have a, uh, a problem with him. So yeah, and Brady tried. I mean, Brady was was lighting him up. I mean, bent over backwards for him, like had him yeah. staying at his house and just trying to give him every opportunity and provide every excuse for him, and and he still turned on him. Like 
Uh, you can't trust a snake because a snake's going to snake. You know, that, that is what it is. But again, he's good, so he's probably going to get more chances because that's what happens when you're good at football. Uh, my last award is very simply the Fuck This League and Everybody In It Award, which goes to Brian Flores, who decided to set everybody on fire by filing a suit uh, against the NFL by having the receipts, by putting the uh, a private text between him and Bill Belichick and making it public showing that Bill Belichick was congratulating him for getting the Giants job before he ever interviewed for the Giants job because Bill Belichick accidentally thought he was texting Brian Dable and not Brian Flores. Oops. Oops. So Flores is going to go out and, and, and set himself on fire and, and completely end his own coaching career, but uh, he's he's not going down quiet. I guess I'll give him credit for that. He's uh, reminds me a little bit of Colin Kaepernick. Like uh, I'm gonna go out saying how I've what I'm saying, feeling how I'm feel, and I'm not gonna get another job in the league. I understand that, but I'm gonna still go out doing what I think is the right thing. So uh, I guess kudos to Brian Flores for that. But I think it's a pretty clear uh, sign of what's gonna keep happening to him. The fact that he was a finalist for the Texans job and they decided to go with Reach Red Lovey Smith instead. I think that's. Pretty good sign that Brian Flores isn't going to be coaching again in the NFL. And, you know, you and I were mildly surprised when he got fired, but not shocked. Yeah, that, I think that's I think that's fair, uh, that we were definitely surprised. I, I definitely looked at that as, as a situation where the guy, whatever you think of the, the bump slaying, that he did lead the team all the way back from 1-7 right. to the 500, uh, and it didn't seem like the culture down there was, was terrible. It seemed like they, they fought for him and played for him, even though they uh, went to one and seven. Like it, it, it didn't seem like something where there was a lack of leadership and a, and a, uh, the coach right. was in over his head. Um, like we, we've seen a lot worse coaches uh, keep their jobs. So yeah, we were, we were definitely surprised at that. Yeah. And like I had said, when, when we talked about it, there, there were two better opportunities earlier that they that they could have or should have fired him. One was at the end of last season, right? After he had completely mismanaged the whole Tua thing with Ryan Fitz. That because that was a mess, and, and we said so, especially me last year on this show. Um, and we were we were giving it to Brian Flores pretty hard that whole season. So it's not like he had this great coaching pedigree that he was bringing into this season coming out of last year. but no, I'd probably second, give him an the, award for it, too. To, uh, call, yeah. I'd probably call him the Dusty Baker or something, trying to go to the relief pitcher out of the pin, and you can't oh, do that. Oh, man. But the, second, and the, but the second best time to fire him was at 1-7. <laughs> right. And then they didn't, and then they get all the way back to 9-8. and eight, And at that point, you know what? you got to at least Dan Quinn it or, or, or Matt Nagy it, right, and be like, all right. We, all right, one more year. Yeah. Let's see what you well, got. We'll, we'll, you, you will be on the shortest leash imaginable, but you earned the right to come back. It made no sense. Yeah, so that's where I was more surprised. Like, you had better opportunities and legitimate reasons to fire him at other points, but you don't come all the way back from one and seven, almost make the damn playoffs. Yes, you. Yes, they bum-slayed their way to it, but then Brian Flores – Apparently didn't like take to that firing because uh, he's gone like scorched earth now. Yes, burning everybody down. So, and remember yeah. the last the last W of that season beats the Patriots ass and puts yes. themselves in position to make the playoffs. Like 
that's the guy you want to fire as the coach that keeps finding a way to, to beat up Bill Belichick and the Patriots. What do you think is going to happen with a new coach down there in Miami? You think they're going to keep beating uh, the Patriots and staying relevant and, and trying to com- uh, compete in that division? Like I, it, I can see it getting much worse there before it gets better. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a Tua guy, so I don't know. No, what I'm that definitely situation. not a Tua guy. Yeah. I'm not a Tua guy at all. Um, I, I had some, some poor things to say about, I think Tua was my worst rookie of the year last year. Yeah. Um, and it didn't get a whole lot better for, for Tua this year. Uh his numbers were nothing really jumped off the page um, numbers wise. I mean, 16 touchdowns in 13 games, 10 picks. Eh, it's not very good. I, 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 to me, he hasn't shown, uh, you know, a reason to believe that he's the long-term answer either. Just, you know, kind of like Baker Mayfield. Right. And then, you know, and, how many people, you know, they draft him at five and then three picks later. Oh yeah. Justin Herbert. Oh, oh boy. Uh, oh. oh boy. That's how you get I mean, remembered. Those are the ones you get remembered for, right? I mean, it's still not as bad as, as Trubisky. And then eight picks later, there's <laughs> Pat Mahomes, but yeah. <laughs> but was Trubisky the problem? We don't know. Uh, we we know that Pat Mahomes is much better, no matter how you uh, slice it. Yes, yes, Pat Mahomes is pretty deep. He, he, he's all right, I've heard. Although if he would come to Chicago and and Matt Nagy would have got a hold of him, I wonder how much worse he would have been. Bum. He'd be a bum. I don't know if he'd be a bum. I, I, he wouldn't be this good. He wouldn't be a he wouldn't be a Super Bowl champ, that's for sure. But uh, well, things we'll never know. Uh, but that's it for me. I am uh, through with my awards, and uh, again, uh, a lot of fun. We always have a lot of fun doing the show. We always pop each other with some things that uh, the other didn't remember. So hopefully, uh, everyone yeah. listening uh, enjoyed as well. Yeah, I, li- I like those moments when we're when, when somebody says when you bring up the Cassius Marsh play, I get this like, oh my god, he's looking know? at me. Stop! Looking oh at man, me. and and that's as bad as me dropping the I can breathe with the Raiders on you because oh. you just immediately were just like, oh, you remembered. Yeah. That's definitely something no one would ever want to remember. <laughs> and we did not talk about it. No. We didn't talk about it at all on the show, but we both saw it happen. And yeah, I, I, I saw sure. it. I definitely remember it. I pulled out my phone and was like, notes for <laughs> Hall of, Inf- or not Hall of Infamy, but the honors, you know, like, yep, this is Kim Etheridge here. This is it. This is, this is a PR stunt. I'm going to remember because there was other stuff. Uh, I, you know, that easily could have been. I could have given that to Joe Buck, um, but that wasn't really public relations. That was just oh, that was. And I'm glad we both crapped on him for that one. It's so great that I'm. I don't give a fuck. I'm playing it again. I don't care. Getting a lot of text messages from family and friends about that scene with Parham Jr. and. Last thing we would ever do is speculate about any injury, especially ever. that type. But when you see his arm shaking and his hand shaking on his way out, that's the part that's most unnerving. I will just add this. It is very cold, at least by Los Angeles standards, down on the field. And hopefully that was more the issue than anything else. Yeah, because, you know, when I knock myself out on the turf, the, the first thing I wonder is, it's freezing down here. Yeah. What is going on? It's 
This is Los Angeles. It's not supposed I mean, how to be hard, a How hard was it for, for Troy Aikman not to, like, full face palm, you know? <laughs> he, he probably muted his microphone and oh, like, had to man. step aside. Like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> what the hell's Dude. wrong with you? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, when you make Troy Aikman seem like the voice of reason, you know you done fucked up. You All know, right. and that, that's such a legendary clip, you just had to pull it. I, I was like, you know, I don't even because it was a, it was such a long quote. I'm like, do I really want to yeah. try to go by <laughs> hand and get this whole thing accurately? Here I am reading it. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't want to interrupt your your presentation. You you had it. You had you know the way that you want to do it. But I yeah, I knew I had the whole thing sitting right here waiting for it. So yeah, we we both definitely had to to take a sniper to him on that one. Uh. Uh. Yeah, I actually right. remember watching that game. Yeah, uh, and, and that was... watching that play because it was weird because you're watching, you're like nobody hit him. Nope. He just kind of like hit the ground hard and like was like kind of like half like bent over and just hit it the wrong angle, you know. And it wasn't like anybody jacked him up or nothing. And it's just just like okay, just. And it was a long delay, and you got that whole scary scene, you know, you don't know. You never know if somebody's going to just, like, up and die on the field or what's going on. And, uh, yeah, Joe Buck just <laughs> gasoline on a fire. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I remember it because it was uh, the the cameraman, obviously, and the producers didn't know that he had knocked himself out. So they're, like, focused in on him. Cause oh, I know. The play you can see the hands all shaking and like the view. It's like the ump dying, right? You're getting the <laughs> yeah. It's like no, turn away, cut away, no. Yeah, because the play itself is is huge. It's fourth down, and he just yeah. you know, boned a, a, a catch that he should have had because he was wide open, and the camera's focusing in because it's a big play, and then you, all all of a sudden you notice um, yeah. he's, he's asleep. Dude's he, uh, KTFO. I mean, he's he's hurt. Like you yeah. should be. You should not turn. You should not be looking at that. You should be cutting away. Um, and I also remember the game because it was, you know, the first of many decisions of our, our favorite coach, Mister New Gambler, uh, Brandon Staley, that liked to go for everything, and he just kept yeah. going for it all night well, long. I'm, and it I'm just would not work out for him. I am shocked after what we just witnessed this season. Um, no mentions of Brandon Staley or no mentions of this like ridiculous new form of coaching with all the like passing up field goals and going for fourth downs. It's like, I'm shocked. I mean, if, they, if we had not had all the Aaron Rodgers stuff, that might've been my story of the year because hmm. this, whatever analytical new fangled way of, of coaching in the NFL is going to get somebody in a world of hurt. I was shocked that uh, there wasn't a war from you. You're the one of us that's got a lot bigger, uh, more of a problem with it. Like I, I don't I do. think, I, do. I, don't, I don't think it's it's as big of a scourge necessarily as you do. I am surprised at a lot of the uh, the decisions, but I understand it and I kind of like it because it's it really is something that people should do more often. Like if you got two yards since we we just uh, got finished in that. Uh, NFC title game with the 49ers and Rams, we, we saw Kyle Shanahan punt it in, in plus territory uh, on on, the, on his side of the field. 
you don't see that all, all you know ever anymore. Like right. Even, even if it's eight yards to go or 10 yards on fourth down, if you're over the, the midfield, uh, you're going for it pretty much every time. And then he decided to punt and it was, it was kind of shocking to see. Like we don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a, a team punt uh, on the, on their side of the 50 yard line. And it used to happen all the time. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of, you know, obviously it's, it's case by case, but I think most of the time that I saw it, I was like, Okay, I see it. I understand it, and uh, I hope they make it. You know, there, yeah, there were a couple times where I was like, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't have done that. But, but I think most of the time I'm, I'm okay with it. No, well, okay. And we've disagreed on that a lot this year. And not, I wouldn't even say disagreed because that's not one where you're right or wrong or, you know. But there, I, I just think it's been overdone, you know. And and teams that have lived by it have have died by it. You know, I, I understand it. I, I won't say I definitely agreed with every time, but I understand you get it. it. You get it. These guys yeah. are all million, you know, making millions of dollars to make these decisions. And I, I know the temptations there. And they've been taking advantage of it. All right. Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good for Saturday. Right before the, the big game. This this week of PR and, and, uh, all the people out in Los Angeles that started. I, there was a show on last night, maybe NFL Network or something, called like Super Bowl Opening Night, and I was like, No, no, what? No, oh man, I'm I, sitting here when watching a production being made out of Super Bowl hype six days before the damn game. Are you serious? No. Yeah, I'm staying away. I, I mean. It's Rams and Bengals. Okay, I mean they both deserve to be there. They, you know, I mean, hey, good, good for both of them. Hey, we talked about that, right? The Bengals could be in the Super Bowl. We were both like, no, nah. doesn't sound nah. right. And you know, they punched their ticket. They earned, they earned their spot. It sure did. Yeah, no, nothing but but praise for either one of those teams and. Not giving away a pick, but no surprise uh, if they win or, or the Rams win. They're both uh, very talented teams, and they're both very flawed teams. And it's very easy to see a way for either one of them to to lose that game, and for either one of them to to win the game. So um, yeah, I mean, there you go. There, there's there's can I get more vague? X, there's X's and O's. There's a component to this game. I mean, it, it, it's not just going to be luck or or, rand, or or random shit. You know, I mean, the Bengals we're down 21 to three and that, that secondary especially really clamped it down um, and, and made Patrick Mahomes a little, little frustrated. I mean, there was most of that second half, they were rushing three and just running eight dudes out there. And he, they could, they didn't have an answer, you know, and, there, and there's Patrick Mahomes. I believe every throw in overtime, all three of his throws could have been picked in overtime. I think you're right. <laughs> that was what was really surprising to me was like the chips are down. The chiefs get the ball first and all three of his throws at overtime should have been picked. And one, one, hey, what, what happened to, uh, it's unfair. You can't have the, the coin flip anymore deciding these games because whoever wins the coin flip is obviously, uh, Oh, but he wait, threw a he... pick. So both teams still got to possess the football. So, so it wasn't unfair that, uh, because the chiefs won the coin toss, uh, they, they weren't an automatic, 
uh, guaranteed to no, win they the game? No, they, they, they fell into the 20% of teams that lose <laughs> when they win the overtime coin toss. And did you see when uh, when they did win the coin toss, that project immediately tweeted out just the word pain because <laughs> he remembered <laughs> what it felt like for, <laughs> no, for the Chiefs to that, win that stuff. Funny. All he did was tweet out pain, pain. With, with a period. My <laughs> <laughs> prediction, pain. pain. All right. I'm done. All right. We, we are we are both done. Uh, again, thank you all for joining us for our honors and dishonors, looking back at 2021 and a little bit of uh, what's happened so far in 2022 as well. And come back and join us Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, when we will break down our opinions and thoughts of the upcoming big game between the Bengals and the and the and the Rams. I just can't even get it out of my mouth. I can't believe it. Cincinnati and Los Angeles is playing in the Super Bowl, the team hosting the Super Bowl uh, for the second year in a row, except this year there will actually be fans because there weren't too many fans there last year. All right, we will have that coming up for you Saturday. Hopefully you join us then. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been, in much less detail, the podcast, our 2021 Honors and Dishonors episode. We thank you all for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Our their various awards, our flowers and our black flowers and our uh, attempts to cover everything and everybody that happened this past season. And we still had some stuff that we uh, brought up and, and didn't necessarily cover, but we tried to get it all in. Uh, so, you know, two hours and 45 minutes, hopefully we got in pretty much everything that we wanted to get in. Thank you all. And we will talk to you Saturday night getting ready for the big game. <laughs> Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.